The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Can I get a oh, <laughs> <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. You have been confirmed. Oh. That Illuminati music industry. Illuminati confirmed. But this wanna join Illuminati? Call us. Oh dude. I, I trust the media. I was Morpheus and I was interviewing a frog. Wait, what the fuck is this guy talking about? I don't know. Illuminati confirmed. I was raped by a big friend. <laughs> Are you being furrow right now? I am being 110. Illuminati confirmed. And by, sir. After 35 years waiting for Mark to go live, still don't see it live on the tubes, but I think we're live over here. We're here, and Chris is queer. Ladies and Here's gentlemen, welcome to Illuminati Confirmed. You know who I am. You know who that is your favorite host mark mystic mark the best host of illuminati confirmed the only one that needs an introduction because i alone have carried the show all 18 episodes so me and you the audience tonight we will be speaking with mario garza from symbolic studies and we're going to be decoding decoding all of these symbols and up in the cheap seats, we've got uh, the two Muppets who are going to argue with each other. Uh, their names are Juan and Chris. Hey, Juan and Chris, welcome to Illuminati Confirmed. Thanks for having us on, Mark. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. You can find me on podcast.com. And I don't think we're live, bro. I think we're still in queue or something. And I love the energy that you gave throughout that entire intro, but I don't think anybody heard it, bro. No one. Everybody heard it, dude. Okay? Let's just get past that part. Chris, what's going on, buddy? Good old buddy, old pal. I was waiting for you old dogs to get done with your ranting and raving is all. I'm just ready to hear some from somebody new with some interesting shit to say. Right. Right. No more. No repeats this episode. Hey, no fooling around. Okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. No talking about homunculus. Is that what you're trying to get out? Please, no more. <laughs> Please, no more Pythagoras or homunculi, dude. None of those topics shall be discussed on this evening's episode. All right. You guys asked for it. I guess I'm not going to tell you the crazy DMs I've gotten over the last week right. or so. All right. You got us. Let's hear a quick one. Synopsis, but just fast, though, dude. What I got people hey, in my hey. DMs telling me that they're homunculi, bro. That's all you need to say. Those people are crazy. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> Dude, I'm a homunculus, dude. Yeah, he's like, hey, homunculi can can't communicate, dude. They don't email, dude. 
can you please help me? I think I'm a homunculus. I'm like, hey, dude, uh, I don't know. Ladies and say. gentlemen, here we are on Illuminati Confirmed. I'm your number one host, Mystic Mark, and we just switched it up for you. I don't think we were live before, but we're definitely live now. And I just had to interrupt Chris and Juan because we're here on Illuminati Confirmed 18. And our guest today is Mario Garza, the symbolic decoder the man behind Symbolic Studies, an institute of symbolic learning. Juan Ayala, the host of the One-on-One -on -one podcast, is here, fresh, off of another podcast, drinking Fireball Whiskey and Mr. Pibb. Christopher Prosser, looking like he just got back from the shooting range, looking like a sharp shooter. Chris, host of the Mensa podcast, how are you? I just shot your mom up, dude. What's up, dude? <laughs> Juan. That's so inappropriate, Chris. How are you, Juan? I'm good. How are you guys? How was y'all's Halloween? I mean, yesterday was Halloween for those that don't know. Those that don't celebrate it for whatever reason. But how do you, do you guys go trick-or-treating? You guys get any candy and stuff? No, we don't have kids. We don't okay. trick-or-treat. We don't trick-or-treat. Trick-or-treaters, dude. It's crazy. You didn't get any trick-or-treaters wow. in your new neighborhood? Not one. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I didn't either in this new place that I moved into. But I also put a thing over my doorbell so nobody could ring my doorbell. So, <laughs> so that's, Maybe that's why, Mark. Maybe that's why. <laughs> well, I was on the union of the unwanted, so I didn't want a doorbell ringing, interrupting the podcast. So, uh, yeah, I did not trick-or-treat, Juan. Well, I was a reptilian cultist so i had fun with that but it was really really hot in that latex mask and gloves your but kids were like daddy fun. dresses up like this every day yeah. as the lizard man who my son called he's like hey lizard i'll go up to me i'll poke my my the sleeves i have on my claws and stuff huh. so it was, it was a good time though Interesting. So we got a couple false starts there for our audio listeners and for everyone who's live. What's up, all 10 of you? Thank you for waiting for us to get started. Uh, oh, well, I saw 10 when I looked at it. That's cool. Shout out to the other 12 people that I forgot to mention there. Uh, before we went live, Juan and Chris were just making fun of me like they usually do. Uh, I was being bullied and that's okay because i have a nice thin skin and a, a fiery temper so uh what are we going to talk about today i listened to a few interviews that mario has done uh, previously but it sounds like he is more like a, a a jack of all trades in the sense that he he could decode a lot of different symbols did you ask him to to maybe prepare a certain set of symbols for our audience today, Juan? What's what's the gist? So I told him to prepare the most Illuminati-esque symbolism that he could find and, and maybe break it down for us. For those that don't know, Mario Garza is from Symbolic Studies, and I believe he's one of the best in the game is at breaking down symbolism astrologically or whichever, whichever way. And I've done episodes with him. He's really good, and he knows his stuff. Dude, this shit be rad, dude, because <laughs> motherfucker, this shit is tangible. Like, you can follow it through time. You can follow it from company and last name and parts of the world or religion. You can follow this. He's a graphic designer, too. Yeah, man, exactly. 
That's where that's the fucking thread, dude. You pull that thread and you start going, well, why am I designing shit? Like with the third, like, what am I doing here? Cause designers do it all the time. <clears throat> oh, you need to put a star in something. Well, how many points to that star? You know, so everything and you realize everything has a meaning behind it. This is dope. This should be dope. So I always focus on symbolism because symbols are the language of the soul. And I think it's important, right? Illuminati confirm. We want to expose the Illuminati. And I always tell people if, if you're, it's a big club, you ain't in it. And they speak through symbols. They speak behind allegorical uh, things and they, they tell stories and all that stuff. So we have to be in the know. That's why we, we bring on experts like Mario to break this stuff down for us. And so the viewers can learn something new. You know what I mean? And how Chris is saying the McDonald's sign, the KFC sign, the subway sign, all that is strategically designed in order to invoke a certain type of feeling in people. And it's not just there because it's there for a reason. And again, it's using sigil magic, which involves symbols and the cinema editions of Hollywood to, there you go. Here we go. I'm going to pull this up, Mark. No, don't pull it up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's just Coca-Cola. It's nothing. <laughs> Actually, on uh, an episode of Wednesday Ultra recently, Andreas like moves so fast. You guys know how fast he moves from topic to topic. And I sent him a link in the chat because it was like a tag to a joke. I thought I was being funny. He, he posted a picture uh, for everybody to see of like this ancient Egyptian king or something like that. And it looked exactly like that guy that uh, had that huge penis and everybody was sending. Remember during COVID, the big black <laughs> penis guy that everybody sent the picture to? So I sent that to Andreas like, oh, look, because they look exactly alike, these two men. <laughs> and Andreas is like, oh, Mark sent me something from the links like 15 minutes later when everybody had forgotten that and uh anyways it's kind yeah. of funny i had i had we had an incident like that happen on uh, some show and they pulled up this this really bad thing on on there but it was it was one of those things like oh let's go let's search this real quick on air mm. while sharing the screen and it was not it was not well good. it's my it's my youtube channel so I, I think i'm safe i just have to watch out what you two post here okay what is this you got another one. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you. Up. This is a podcast. Squeaky. Wait, what do you think I'm posting? What? 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 What are you talking about? You know, I know. I, I could barely use that shit, dude. Like, what? I don't know. You might type in like, uh, I don't know, big titty, small nipple, or something, and then send me a link. And, and the next thing you know, we're getting flagged for nudity. So I have. We have things to talk about, right? As far as the news goes. We, we do as of recently, everybody knows that daddy Elon Musk acquired Twitter. Oh, cool. And what? Fool? Yeah, yeah dude. Musk. Did you did Elon you... Musk is dead now? No, daddy. That's Elon it. Musk. Elon's wants daddy. Come on, man. How then, uh... the fuck would I know that, dude? You know, you're Puerto Rican, dude. He's like fucking South African, dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? He is our robot. You I'm assuming or not. So he bought Twitter. He acquired Twitter. And he posted yesterday, right? So there's that news. Everybody's freaking out because of that. You can pay $8 a month to get your little blue check mark. So everybody's freaking out about that. And I asked Mario to break down his latest Halloween picture 
that Elon Musk posted up because I'm sure all the conspiracy theorists are going crazy over it. But I'm going to pull it up here for you so you guys can see. And then when Mario comes cool. on, he can decode it. Cool. Let's see that shit, Sensei. He's just a big dick costume. <laughs> it's like, see, I told you he's a dick. Yeah. He came back to fuck the world, dude. Oh, it's not a dick costume. You're hey, so that immature. is the Amazon logo. So here we go. I'm going to. Huh? Who's right the crazy one now? Jeff Bezos. All right. So check he's this out. To go into space. You know, check what I mean? this out. We have, he's got like a Baphomet or something on his chest. I can't zoom in, but he's got like a, like a, some, sheep headed thing with an upside down cross on his chest and on his arms. And then he posted like a really creepy picture with his mom and somebody else. And then he's got like a five, I think a five pointed star on his belt buckle. And then here he is coming out of a car. So I'm sure a lot of people are losing their mind. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I think he's, I really don't know. I don't know if this is a character from a video game. I don't know where he's supposed to be from, but... Hey, hey can anybody in the uh, the chat, if y'all know what the fuck he is supposed to be... Please, please, please enlighten This is here. his Halloween costume, or this is his going to uh, dinner outfit? What? When was he wearing this? This was yesterday. Oh, dude, this... zoom in on the phone. Look at the phone in his yeah, hand. It, said, it says 1032. You I don't know if that's cryptic in. for... Zoom in. I can't, bro. Does it? Oh, there it goes. See, it, it goes back to small when I do. Oh, Twitter. Okay. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me save it and then I'll 10, pull it up. It could be 33. One plus three plus two. Okay. All right, dude. Just settle Come down. Come on now, dude. So we have yeah. 1032. We have what some people would call Baphomet with the upside down cross. Oh, 1032. October, the 10th month. 32 being a day that doesn't exist on any calendar. <laughs> Maybe he's talking about like Halloween at midnight, you know, like uh, it technically it's November 1st, but 1032. I don't know. I don't know, bro. We'll, we'll figure it out. Mario again. Mar that's why I wanted to have Mario on because he knows about all this stuff. Oh, he's and, uh, he knows the truth behind everything. Not about everything. I don't know about everything, but he would be able to break it down way better than I could ever. We have here his mom, one of these, I think the, the, what's the, what's the lady from 101 Dalmatians? Is that what she's supposed to be? No, first Cruella. Is, why does this house look so cheap? Wherever he's at, <laughs> it's so non-ball. You know, he moved into a little, uh, a mini house, right? Uh, a mini home. You, you guys hear about that? Dude, look, no, nah, I'm saying though, like, think about this. his shit should be the most ballness spaceship ass house ever. What's he doing with regular ass carpets? Bro, Those aren't he sold everything he owned to get out of debt, and he's living in like a tiny home. I saw that as of recently. I'll pull that up, but what? yeah, How dude, is that boy worth? Uh, he's at the, I think the richest, either him or Jeff Bezos are the richest in the world. So why he move out of a big house then? He's a weird guy, bro. That shit don't add up. You just said he's the richest man in the world, but he's had to sell all his stuff to get out of debt. Juan, you're not yeah. making any sense. So check it out. So Elon Musk sold all his mansions to live in a tiny house right here. It was in May 2020 that Elon Musk decided to sell his properties and physical possessions 
including, of course, every single house he owned. He then moved to Texas to live modestly in a tiny prefab home worth $50,000 from back Bucks Bowl. So wait, this is not bullshit. This wait, is wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You know Tesla is about to make prefab homes. Bro, check out the house that he moved to. Or the, the, Tesla, the, people. the company is supposedly making prefab homes in the near future. Oh shit. We about to we about to crack a Chrissy conspiracy. No, what if he's just using it to check, try it out and see what's good? Chris, hit us with that conspiracy, bro. What are you really thinking about this? That's, that's what I'm, I'm just wondering why the richest guy Do the you think that they're going to... In the, um, I don't doesn't make any sense. That, I mean, here. is he broke? Like, that doesn't make any sense. 375 square foot prefab tiny home. He Yeah, maybe he's trying it out as like a, you know what I'm saying? Like a test yeah. drive. No, this is... Listen, this is the minimization of the human spirit. Put them in an electric car so that they can only drive so far. Put them in a tiny house so that they can only get so much uh, space. And then you can just stack everybody on top of each other. It starts like, you know, tiny house out in the middle of a nice forest or whatever. But then you get lonely and you go to your tiny house in the city. And because you're so conditioned to this tiny existence, it's okay. First of all, did you say Chrissy conspiracy earlier? <laughs> Chrissy P. <laughs> Fucking dick. You know that? I'm just trying to mix it up and do, bring some fun elements for the audience here. Don't bring that smoke, dude. I'm on the fucking beach, dude. Leave me alone, dude. You've been on the beach for at least three months, bro. What's <laughs> weird? What? <laughs> it's always the same in the tropics, man. It's like the same day every day, man. Yeah, I'm hoping rainy season comes soon. So, that, so apparently they <laughs> delivered one at a at a SpaceX's launch site for a top secret customer. And here's a picture of it. There's his, his phallus there. They oh, they're going to launch his tiny house into space? Probably. It's called the Casita. It was it's Spanish for little house. <laughs> Did you giggle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because a bunch of like nerds in Texas are going to be like, I moved into my Casita. It's 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 what. My Tesla parks right in front of it. It's beautiful. So here we have must deny living in the tiny house, saying instead that he lives in a different small house in South Texas. But in early, but in July 2022, he said he owns a boxable and uses it as a guest house. Dude, if you were worth like a billion dollars or whatever, wouldn't you just keep like one house? <laughs> Bro, this guy is an eccentric guy we don't know what they're how i agree with what mark is saying like break down the spirit break down uh you know normalize the cannibalism with all this stuff for netflix and all this stuff cannibalize eating the bugs can't uh, normalize uh, normalize eating the bugs normalize the whole you will own nothing schwab whatever his it. name was i get it, I get it. you know what i mean yeah i get it so you think he's a He's doing it so that other people follow what it is that he does so that they'll do that eventually. You know how many people probably worship this guy? Like no, but I'm saying that, that's, that's what it is you're advocating. It's like he's like the fiddler and the, got all the rats following him. Like, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, maybe. <laughs> he's the lowest I mean, five. How old is homie? Like, you know, I want to say like 50. Let's look it up. It's crazy because at some point you start thinking like these motherfuckers got to be on the back nine. How like how influential can they be? Like you know, and I, it's interesting because like fifty one, we're, we're entering a new era where it's like 
you know, people like, dude, p- dude, people like a generation ago at 40 were like 75. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a difference. I feel like Juan, how old are you? 28. Yeah, but you're Puerto Rican, bro. So it doesn't matter. So you just, you just one of those, those people, you're going to be 50 and you're going to be like, this motherfucker, 32. I think Chris is <laughs> ageist. Yeah, I think that was a bit racist, Chris. I don't know, dude. Uh, what Asians like, and black people are the most lucky because y'all don't yeah. age. Y'all yeah, don't age. It's so dope. Like I said ageist, not Asian. That's what you need to get headphones, Chris. You need to get the headphones. So you gotta can get hear the headphones. Really talk, bro. And I always, get I those it. shooter glasses on. It yeah. wasn't, just wasn't good enough to respond. You're a little older, I know. You have to, you know, catch up with the technology and stuff, dude. But I believe in you. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna send you some headphones, bro. What are you drinking? You- RC what Cola. What? Listen to you, you <laughs> making horrible jokes, dude. I didn't want to acknowledge your bad joke. I wanted to keep it. Back. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> what, you, what is that? What is? What? All right. Well, I'm ageist. You're ageist. We're ageist. You know, I'm just. I'm thinking about it and as people get older though, dude, like people used to, I swear, man, motherfuckers used to be older than they seem like now. Like, dude, my folks at 40, man, were old. <laughs> I mean, they weren't, but it seemed like way people at 40 now though, golfing and shit, dude. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? No, thanks. Leave me out. On a well, ball. when I grew up, my parents had me when they were when they were pretty young, and when I was growing up, everybody's parents were super old compared to mine. Like my parents had me. My dad was like seventeen. My mom was seventeen. Like they were super young. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was always used to seeing people's parents. They were like super old, and I'm like, wow, how does it feel to have such old parents? Because I never knew what it felt like. And now, I mean, my parents are older now, but when I was growing up in like middle school and high school, they were fairly younger than a lot of the other parents. Hmm. Dude, your dad's like fucking 47 years old. Yeah, dude. It's going to be his birthday on the 7th, actually. That's fucking young. You yeah, are dude. 30, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah bro. <laughs> you're just... You're going to be... He's going to be granddad by 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, he is now. I got two kids, bro. So... He's great. He's going to be great granddad pretty soon. <laughs> you're going to have a 60-year-old great granddad. <laughs> Yeah, like if you, I met my great grandparents, so I guess it's sort of the same with my family. My dad, my great one of my great great grandmas lived to one fifteen in Puerto Rico. What? Yeah, dude. She got to the point where she's like, "I want to die. Yeah, just take me off." <laughs> well, dude, beans and rice. You just fucking stay alive forever, bro. Protein. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit. Dude. And here we are live on Illuminati Confirmed. Our guest, Mario Garza, the founder of the Symbolics Studies. He's got a YouTube channel. I've heard him on a bunch of podcasts. Juan, help me out here, brother. This is your your book. Uh, tell 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 us about our guest today. Hello, Mario. Welcome to the show, dude. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, Christopher. Hola. What's up, dudes? How are you? One. So, good, good. I consider Mario one of the best in the game when it comes to decoding stuff. I've been on their podcast with him. We've really dug deep on some occulted and esoteric topics. And we just finished doing an episode on my show, actually, 116 or something like that, where we talked about a bunch of things. So check that out. And 
I said, hey, why don't we have him to try and decode some of the more common Illuminati Illuminati esque symbols and all that stuff, right? Because yes. symbolism is a very big thing when it comes to the occult. So here we have Mario from. Well, and it's, it's cool to have someone, as you put one, who has experience with this. And I've listened to Mario on Interverse podcast, and he's been a graphic designer for over 20 years. He's got an eye for art. I'd like to see your opinions and your perspectives on some of these things. Cause you know, you go on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and there's a million channels saying this is Illuminati symbolism, but I want to hear your take because you, you seem to know, you know, what artists are putting out there. And I think a lot of artists are just trying to be edgy. They might not necessarily believe in what they're, what they're uh, creating. Right. But, uh, yeah, what do you think, Mario? Are you you feel up to the task of helping us uh, understand these Illuminati symbols a little better? How, how have you been today? <laughs> I've been great, man. And yeah, absolutely, dude. I love to talk about it. Um, as you guys mentioned, I've been a designer for like 20 years, and so I've had time to refine my eye and study symbolism. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of different companies, big and small, and. Um, that's what really drew me into occultism, to be honest, is just studying some of these symbols and shapes and things like that. And being in Photoshop and Illustrator, creating logos for people, seeing what actually works, you know, seeing what other companies are doing, seeing different ad campaigns over the years. You know, it's just one of these things where since I absorbed so much of it through my life, like I can't take anything at face value anymore, obviously. And so when I see a billboard, when I see an ad, when I hear a song, you know, or any occult symbol, really, uh, you know, my mind's always going. And so I've been at it for a number of years now. And I definitely have my perspective and take on things that uh, might be a little different from other people's, but yeah, dude, I'd be happy to share anything and everything. And actually, Honestly, I kind of think the Elon Musk thing uh, would be a great place to start. I was listening to the show up until now. Oh, great. Well, now I feel embarrassed. Juan, you shouldn't tell the guests to listen to what we're saying. (laughs) I I did it. Oh, dude, you didn't say anything uh, negative. All right. I'm just being, I'm just trying to make jokes. Chris doesn't think we're funny, but yeah, let's look at this. What we obviously can kind of notice maybe like a Baphomet, devil head, goat head kind of thing going on. What do you think, Mario? You know, uh, I'm glad, Juan, you said sheep. Right. Uh, Because I think the first two things that people might um, assume is either that it's a goat or it's a ram. And there's actually a lot of symbolism that overlaps between the goat and the ram. So from my perspective, looking at it today, um, to me, there's a lot of people when they create like a Baphomet image, they actually get the horns misinterpreted they're not using goat horns but they're actually using ram horns and so to me what i see here is that we're actually looking at probably what is more than likely a goat head but the horns are definitely more like a ram and i actually pulled out this book that i have and so this is a graphic design resource for me you know so it's like 1500 copyright free <laughs> illustrations. I have that same right? exact so, book. That's really odd. That oh, you nice, just pulled dude. That up. Yeah, it's been really helpful for a lot of different reasons for different yeah, projects. And it's a really cool book. Yeah. Mario, did you have a presentation? Do you want to pull up your screen instead? That way you can manipulate it. Yeah, I have uh, like a loose presentation. So, but I do want to share something on my screen related to this. And right. so, um, so I was looking through that book 
And I'm like, definitely goat horns are a bit different than ram horns. And I can see why people confuse the two. And so if you just Google image goat, you know, you're actually going to see a lot of rams when they shouldn't really be there. They're not goats. Right. Um, But to me, there's definitely this combination going on uh, Hmm. between the goat and the ram. So therefore, immediately, I think of Capricorn and I think of Aries and Aries was the one for me that really popped out when I looked at this image first and foremost. And so let me share my screen. And what's I- Elon's astrological sign? Is is he? He's not. I looked that up really quick. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he might be uh, either a Gemini or a Cancer. Of course, but he's Gemini. not an Aries. And hmm. so I'm pulling up a piece right now. And it will actually help illustrate, you know, some of what's going on in this image because this is a piece that I created a couple years ago. And so this is my Aries print. And so what I'm doing is I study the signs uh, during the signs themselves. So right now we're in Scorpio. Um, I've been doing that for a number of years and I've been creating artwork based on the signs. So this is my first piece that I created and I have a screen print of it. It's back here, Uh, but it's Aries, right? And so notice that a lot of the symbolism is very much intact and it's on Brown because I printed it on Brown paper. So I silk screened it. And so here you see a man, he has Ram horns. You could see that there's a cross within this circle that's on his forehead you could see behind that there's another cross because Aries symbolism has a lot to do with the cross itself and has a lot to do with Christ being a sacrifice. Uh, there's a major, major sacrificial element whenever you're talking about Aries. Well, wouldn't uh, Christmas take place during the sign of Capricorn and Easter take place during the sign of Aries? Am I off Bingo. there? Okay. No, you got it. Wow. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so to me, that's all like very strategically done and right. for good reason, symbolically, you know. So it's and not so- that they just haven't seen enough rams in their life. They're purposefully, <laughs> po- in most cases, like mixing the goat and the ram motifs. Is that what you're suggesting? I'm suggesting that um, arguably you can go down the Capricorn rabbit hole, which will lead you to things like more specifically, I would say Baphomet and the devil like the devil card corresponds with Capricorn, you know, which is a winter uh, sign and everything, or you can go down the Ram Aries rabbit hole. And I think there's a lot to pull out from that as well. Um, But a lot of people, when they get into this line of thinking or whatever, Capricorn and Aries are kind of like opposite ends of a spectrum. And so they kind of fulfill uh, two different roles, but they're used in many ways in like overlapping um, ways. So, I think it's just very interesting that there is this kind of confusion. But when I first read what's on his chest plate and everything, I thought of Aries, uh, but I do think the face looks like a goat. And so here you see kind of like symbolically a Christ-like figure um, and he's holding lamb and you made this and, uh, throat. Yeah. 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 And so I slit his throat to emphasize the sacrificial nature of everything. And I had him hold his own blade um, so that it's symbolic that he's doing it. No one else is doing it to him or whatever. But this is like symbolically, this is the thing that needs to be burned in order for anything to happen. So Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac, right? So the astrological year starts with Aries. And so there's this like raw, powerful energy that corresponds with Aries. And so in a way, it's almost like, Uh, the sacrifice that needed to occur in order for the whole entire system to go in order for the spark 
to actually become a flame, something needs to catch on fire, right? And so here you can see I put Ares symbols all over the place. So it's on the shield, right? Because Ares corresponds with Mars. So the god of war, the planet of war. So there's a lot of war symbolism that definitely aligns with Aries, right? And even Mars itself, Mar, reverse its ram, right? And so uh, war, rams, Mars, it's all part of the same soup symbolically, right? And so this shield is very much symbolic of that war sort of element. And Elon Musk looks like in that photo that he's like preparing for battle, right? And so we're talking about Mars, and so if we're going to take this a step further, Mars corresponds with iron. Okay. So you guys showed an image where it's Elon Musk as Iron Man. And so I think you can make the case <laughs> that esoterically he's actually encoding the Iron Man persona with mm -hmm. how red his gear is, uh, with everything that I just kind of outlined right now. So again, mm. there's a cross on the forehead of, uh, of that um, image on his chest plate and there's a cross right here. This is all very strategically done. So it's like this oh. piece, I took a long time to try and encode as many things as possible into it. So basically everything in here, you know, there's like a story that it tells essentially, yeah. or at least that's what I try to do. Well, and that's it. what's so cool about looking into this is it is so detailed and meticulous and complex, but when the average maybe person who's, starting to become aware of all this stuff sees elon wearing that their first thought might be oh my gosh baphomet he's the devil worshiper and it's so much more nuanced than that especially when you consider the the connection that his company has to the planet mars because they're trying to colonize it and then also you consider this idea of uh, uh the aries being this generative force well a guy in his position is going to want to tap into that you know to generate interest in his company his ventures you know i mean all of his business strategies have followed those sort of uh guidelines anyways you know you get all this attention by doing something maybe controversial i wonder if elon has other examples where he's kind of uh taken on a zodiac sign that suits the particular moment I mean, we're not in the current sign of Aries, but, you know, this is maybe something that will manifest next March or, or right, or, or uh, April, depending on when it comes. And can I add something real quick? Because you brought up Iron Man. I didn't think anything of it when I clicked on it, right? Mm -mm. But if you look at the in the universe, Iron Man, uh, when they break down who his dad is and all that stuff, they're insinuating that his dad made a deal with some demonic entity in order to give up Iron Man's soul. Uh, and his dad got wisdom and he did the Faustian pact essentially and gave up his son Stark. in the comic. And the mm. Mephisto is, you know, they're hinting at that, that has, that's his dad in the comic. And also Iron Man is also loosely based on Parsons, which we know what he did. Right. So there's that connection too. So, that's really interesting that he would, that they would make that, but it's all me magic. It all goes back to this, this sigil magic. And what I believe, you, know, you can touch on it too, Mario, where people use images to transport themselves into these images as gateways, as portals to other dimensions. That's the aspect that I love the most about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude, absolutely. Uh, that's all really good stuff. Um, 
one other thing I would add is that uh, Aries starts during March. Mar, there's that Mar again, right? But most of it takes place during April. So April is the fourth sign. So it's really fascinating because I put the cross in there knowing the symbolism and you have the number four. I made a video and I'm just putting out there that I think it's really interesting that um, Aries for the most part takes place during April, the fourth month. And there's a lot of Christian uh, Christ symbolism in there baked into it. The next, and that corresponds with the Emperor card, which is the fourth card. Well, and isn't Aries considered like, uh, he, you know, he's climbing up to the mountain and he's like kind of at the apex of the zodiac wheel at that stage in time, right? Similar to how Jesus was crucified on top of a, you know, a hill. Yeah, it depends on how you look at it, for sure. Absolutely. But no, that that definitely uh, makes sense and fits. So that that is one of the more important things about both right. Capricorn and uh, and Aries is that they're both climbers, you know. Um, and so also too, just climbing up, like, again, if it's the beginning of the zodiacal year, you know, you're starting your climb, you're starting your journey, and you're going to cycle through all the signs. So in a lot of ways, um, you know, the ram or Aries is kind of like the symbolic animal that pulls the chariot that is the wheel of the zodiac, basically, right? Right, right. right. And so then um, that corresponds with the emperor card, which is the fourth card. And then, and if you look at certain esoteric decks, they're actually going to show Rams, you know, in that card. Um, and then the next card is the fifth card and that's the Hierophant. And I've made the case that I think that the Hierophant actually has a lot of interesting correspondences with Islam and it takes place during the fifth month. And notice that, you know, there's a whole big debate on whether Islam has any symbols truly associated with it. So a lot of the traditional people in that faith, they say that there's no symbols that you can tie to Islam, but yet you go around the world and you're going to see the crescent and the star, you know, on top of the mosque and everything. So the five pointed star and Venus, which makes a five uh, pointed star in the sky over the course of eight years. um, I think that heavily corresponds with Islam, the fifth card, of uh, the major arcana. And he's got and on his belt buckle too. Elon has yeah, it on yeah. his belt buckle in that picture. Oh, nice. That's interesting. Um, I didn't notice that actually. Um, and then the uh, sixth card is the lovers, which corresponds with Gemini. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of symbolism that has to do uh, with the lovers and Gemini and Judaism. And so just look at the six pointed star as an example, right? So in the major arcana, I just think that the fourth, fifth, and sixth cards correspond with the three major Abrahamic religions. Mm. And I broke it down in a video if you guys are curious to learn more. But uh, when I saw his suit, that's what I took away. I took away Aries symbolism and kind of everything that's associated with it, including its relationship with Mars and iron. And uh, for those who don't know, there's more iron in uh, blood, uh, of men than there are for women. Women actually have more copper um, in their blood. And so it's really fascinating that there's even this like biological correspondence with iron and copper. And they like to say that men are from Mars, women are from Venus, etc. Um, so that's what I got. Do they, do they give you like the gender of the blood when you're like given a blood transfusion or something at a hospital? Like, do they only give male blood to men and mm. women? Because I wonder if, <laughs> I don't want to go too far into, you know, the cultural stuff, but uh, 
I wonder if that's why we have so many soy boys these days, because they're giving them uh, <laughs> female blood in the hospital. I don't know about you guys, but I've never had a blood transfusion. Uh, so real quick here, because <laughs> Chris, Chris, what are you thinking right now? I'm sorry, Chris. Do, can we get Chris's thoughts before we proceed? No thoughts, man. Just listening, man. Okay, good. I like I like the fact that you're, you're you, you could you know pick out these individual. Oh, this is that. This is that. This is that. Like I got you, no problem. Right on, right on target. As far as I'm concerned, what does it all mean though? Like, right. oh, so yeah, he's yeah. Four, five, that's a great question. Fishes, oh, we'll right? get so there. He's, so he's Mars. He's Venus. He's Marduk. He's this guy. He's that guy. It's you know Black Cuba Saturn. It's like what you know, however deep you want to go with symbolism. I got you, dude. Got you. But is it alluding to certain groups at play? Is it alluding to, is he saying that this is the end of an era and the beginning of a new era, like at, like the end of that movie, Age of Aquarius? Chris, what if it's not that he's saying anything? What if it's more that he's like, yeah. he's like amping his power up? Like he has an intention and by wearing these symbols, it like amps his intention. Like he doesn't have to lie or keep any secrets. He's outward uh, about what hey, he wants to you, accomplish, hey, but this boosts hey, it. Why are you giving the guest answers though? I'm just, that's my, <laughs> that's my speculation. Hey, this is your problem, <laughs> not our problem. Dude. Come on, man. Stop that. Dude, that's hilarious. Real quick. Christopher, are you based in Portland by chance? Unfortunately, yeah. Well, I mean, it's all right, though. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for like 13 years until like a year and a half ago. I'm like an hour east of you now in the gorge. So oh, just that's up about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in Portland for over a decade. I think I read that somewhere a while back. So I'm yeah, happy man. to finally meet you. It, yeah, nice to meet you, too. As you know, I got weird as fuck here. Phil. Oh, bro, I know. And then, yeah, yeah, that's why we had a bounce, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's important. So, um, yep. So uh, my cool. personal opinion... When it comes to Elon Musk, not sure exactly where you guys land on this whole issue. I don't think you can go to outer space. I don't think that it's a thing. I think that they have completely turned everything upside down on us. I think they want us to think that we've been to the moon. I think the secret space program, they want you to think that we have bases on Mars and the moon and we've gone to Saturn and it's this whole entire thing. I don't think you can actually go. So to me, in my opinion, I think Elon Musk is a construct. I think he's... All right, cut the feed, Mark. Cut the, he's getting too close. To the, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think he's promoted to keep this narrative going, um, you know, and so I have this old man friend, I've brought this up before in other shows, but he was like obsessed with Mars and he would talk about it all the time. He died in his seventies and he was like a conspiracy theorist guy. And he would always talk about going to Mars and colonizing Mars and going to space and everything else. And one day I asked him, I'm like, bud, I'm like, how long has this been like a dream for you? And he goes, Oh, well, since I was a kid, he goes, of course, I've been, I've been dreaming about Mars since I was a child. And I'm like, what does that tell you, dude, that they have been promising this idea yeah. of, uh, you know, space travel and colonizing these different bodies and stuff. And we still haven't done it, you know, mm -hmm. because they're kicking the can down the road. They're dangling this carrot. They've been doing this for a number of years. Science fiction to me is a propaganda genre. That is why it is out there. That's why it's so promoted. That's why Kubrick did what he did. That's why it's um, the genre that it is and has the fanfare that it has because it's selling the idea on space to all of these people and none of us have gone. And so none of us have been up there, right? So, so we can't say, go for it. So I'm interrupting. So are we, please, team flatter? 
Uh, I'm team geocentrist. So I think flat earth is definitely like a corrupted sort of term Wait, or whatever. But remember what I was describing to you, you and, uh, Juan, Chris, yeah. the, the geo heliocentric model where mm -hmm. Mario, have you heard of the, the Tyke, uh, Tycho's Brahe model where he talks about how the, the sun revolves around the earth and all the planets revolve around the sun, but earth doesn't move. It just orbits. Mm. It just rotates. Yeah. 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 I'm familiar with that. Okay. Uh, my main thing is that I, I think there's problems with flat earth. Mm. I do, but there's a lot of problems with heliocentrism too. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I see problems in both camps. And so I'm almost in a way kind of agnostic, but gun to my head. I do think that we live on a still body. I think it's incredibly stable. I don't think you can destroy it, which is why there's lots of propaganda and a lot of movies about bad guys destroying the oh, planet like and everything that. else, you know, but I think that we live on a motionless plane and in certain ways, I don't even think that we can maybe get a snapshot of the whole entire thing. I think that in and of itself might be this thing that we're like chasing after, but it's like a fool's errand because you can't actually do it. So yeah. arguing about what the actual model is, I have a few things that I think uh, makes sense, but I also, um, it's not so detailed to the point though, well, where like, you know, um, it's undeniable to budge on it and stuff. It's undeniable that these like planetary bodies have been a part of our symbolic language for throughout culture. So what is that? Is is this a conclusion you've come to from studying all these symbols? Because, you know, you see Jupiter doing the, you know, in these stories with Saturn and, and that, you know, why, why, where do you get that? Yeah. So, um, everything has kind of been in tandem with each other, my study of occultism and esoterica and everything else. And then I was introduced to the flat earth debate in 2014. And so um, I remember, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a lot of the names in that community or whatever, but I was following Eric Dubay before he actually mentioned anything about it. And then he started talking about it on his blog. And I was like, just like a lot of other people, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, this is nuts, dude. Are you kidding me? Like, I can't believe that this is even a thing. It had never crossed my mind at all. And then he released a PDF of proofs and I was reading the proofs on the way to India. This is another story I've told. So, you know, if there's people following me who have listened to a number of my shows, forgive me, but I was on my way to India reading this book about flat earth proofs. And it was kind of blowing my mind. I didn't subscribe to all of them, but there were a few things in there that really got me thinking and really got me going. I landed in India, in Mumbai, and uh, Indian people are very friendly. It took like no time at all for this younger guy to approach me and start asking me questions about America and everything else. And so we started chit-chatting. We went to a little coffee shop. We were talking. And without me prompting him, he started telling me that uh, his guru teaches a geocentric flat earth model. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, that is so wild because I am literally reading a book about it. And he said, oh, yeah, people in the West, they're all programmed. They have no idea that this is even the case because they're subjected to their propaganda. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, this is completely wild because go for it. Shit, what's beyond the flat earth? Chris, everything breaks down. <laughs> Let him dude. finish the story. Don't, don't yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. No, that, you, that, that's from, the bulk of it. From the guru's perspective, we're learning new shit, right? <laughs> to expand upon yeah. it. Because, dude, everybody gets right there. And go, I don't know. 
But you if, you're telling, if you're telling me that they're, they're teaching this, please enlighten me as to what they're teaching. Right. So, I mean, I can't say I know everything that he's teaching, but I will say when you look into the physical world, you know, you realize that most everything is nothing. Right. And so that's what happens when you start really decoding what we actually live on is that everything starts breaking down and you can't even go to the far edges of, of this place without things breaking down. So to me, I think that we might literally live in like a field or a frequency where literally the field just kind of like dissipates and turns into nothing, you know? So I can't really say I've never been there. So I've been very careful um, with how I present some of this information because I've never been to space. Neither have you. We've never been to the depths of the oceans, you know, things like that. But my hunch, just real quick, my hunch is that when you look into outer space, you are actually looking at the spirit realm, which is why in school they tell you it's rocks. They're this big. They float like this. They're this colored gravity on. It's like this. You learn about all of the numbers and you learn about all of the scientific, you know, facts supposedly about them all. But when you look up there, I think they've turned everything on its head. I think what you're looking at is the spirit realm. Yeah, I, I I think we're with you. We've heard Juan. We don't want to hear that sound effect ever again. Uh, we we we've been there, you know. I'm with the space space is fake crowd in, to a certain degree. Indeed. I think it, no, I don't think it's gay. I think it's fake. What we've been told about space is certainly fake. But what's even more curious and compelling for me, which you just hit me with this revelation. revelation Everyone in India thinks the earth is flat. You're telling me these guys that call me up on the phone and like, please, sir, do you have time? Sir, do you have time? Can I tell you about the flat earth? They're flat earthers. It, like, no, they have a- no, I'm not saying they're all flat earthers. I'm saying that this one kid that I met was. Okay. But the fact that he was the one out of however many that right. I could have Hey, Mario, don't listen to these. Who listen to this? <laughs> Just giving you a hard time. Can I pull something up real quick that's related to Elon and the flat earth and the space is gay and all this shit? Yeah, yeah. So have you guys heard about this before? In 1952, Werner von Braun wrote a book called Project Mars, which in the book, there's a guy named Elon. And this is the one of the covers to it. And yeah. obviously, it's very similar to the ship that he made in 2019. But I think this is another aspect of this sigil magic, this this where they transmute fiction into reality. Parsons was doing the same thing. They were writing stories and what happened in the stories came true. So do you think that maybe he predicted uh, the future by writing this book? I mean, it's 52. Uh, would he have known that? Bro, Jules was- Verne's wrote a book about going to Mars in the 1880s. Really? Hey. Yeah. He was a Freemason. I'm pretty sure Jules Verne, or at least What's part of Freemasons though, dude. I'm just saying he was Freemason. <laughs> How does this relate? What about all the planets that are in all the major arcana and all this is Venus and all this symbolism yep. for right? So sure. we're talking about symbolism and we're talking about like I like this shit, bro, because there's evidence for it. You know what I'm saying? Like you can follow that motherfucker. And it's undeniable. If you got this certain thing in your crest, chances are you come from this bloodline. Like that's all that it, you know, it's obvious. Like I like mm-hmm. that shit. So if we're looking at all this symbolism. And it has to do with planets, but but fake space is gay though. I thought and fake though. That's what that's what that's what gets me too, Chris. Like all this talk of like the celestial bodies, but then we're on like you know they're not real. They're a projection system. Like is that? That's why I think it's all a psyop. You know what I mean? That's why I think it's all they're just putting this stuff out there to make us fight in our community because if there's some people in our community who are so adamant about flat Earth and all this stuff that they will literally 
fight people on the internet. Like they will die on a, on a whatever, you know, on a rock or something somewhere for that one idea, which they don't even, they don't even know how to prove. It's like, Hey, I, well, I proved it by looking up this picture and here it is. Boom. You know, confirmed it's flat. Like, no, dude, you've never been to space. You don't know if it's true. Oh, well the math says otherwise. Like, no, bro, you don't know. The point is that you don't know. And yet you, you're so adamant and passionate about like, that no, idea. You've never been That's why I think it's a psyop just to divide this even further within the community. Yeah. I agree. I totally so, agree. You know, uh, I spend all of my time, basically, if anybody looks at my channel or my socials or whatever, you'll see that I spend a lot of time talking about the planets and talking about astrology, right? And so one of the things about it is that the planets, their power, actually, in my personal opinion, what space is, is even greater under a geocentric model than the model that they taught us. To me, heliocentrism is one of the greatest agendas and tricks that has ever been pulled off. You know, that's my personal opinion. And the reason why I think that is because when you look at the system of uh, the solar system, I actually think we live in something that might be more accurately called the polar system, not the solar system, but a polar system. Um, this is what a lot of ancient groups believed. And I think a lot of esoteric symbols are actually encoding this. This is, but, uh, um, is this like, I, I'm pretty sure this is like what Tycho Brahe was talking about. I read this recently, sure. but there is a, yeah. there is a relationship between earth, Mars and the sun where they're sort of all stabilizing each other. And the earth is, a stationary fixed point that everything else is orbiting around. Uh, and the ancients saw other star systems operating in this way too. Like the, the Dogon people observed the Sirius A and B, or at least were told about it before it was observable to the naked eye with, uh, you know, without telescopes, you can't even see Sirius B. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very similar. And again, I don't know if I have a name for my model. I don't know if I should have a name or an actual like framework or uh, you, should draw it, dude. you should draw it out from the <laughs> designer. Draw that shit out. Bro. <laughs> what I'm saying is that I don't know if it's meant to be drawn. I don't know if we, that, that's even our role to be honest, you know? Right. Um, and so what I'm saying though, with heliocentrism and things being based around the sun, um, the basic way that I explain it to people who are interested and curious is that the sun literally it's uh, what it's designed to do the way it's promoted in our education system and the way it's um, used in films and everything else. Um, it takes you out of this reality and it takes you out of your own essence and your own way of being. And so to me, geocentrism is actually a return to self. It's a return to you and your power and everything that kind of like you embody, including your psychology, including your spirit, you know, all of these other types of things. Look at the people who are heliocentrists. They all want to take off from here. They all want to colonize another uh, planet. They all want to go and they just want to, you know, they think that this place is going to be a wasteland. The heliocentric model is a fucking wastebasket of a model and it literally rots the brain, which is why I feel so passionately about it. You know, because once you see how things were flipped, because in my opinion, what really happened is people had an understanding of a polar system and now we live in a solar system. So the pole, the geocentric model, what uh, what is in the middle of the plane that now has been flipped and now it's a uh, solar system. And so we went from a polar worship system to a solar worship system. 
and everything is now completely thrown off. That is one of the reasons why, in my opinion, the Illuminati and whatever, that's why they're able to get away with so much shit because the people who live here have no clue what the actual real model is. They have no clue what the symbolism is actually all about. But I think that there are secret societies and groups and whatever and religions that have encoded the older system for people who have ISIS. Go for so, it. So, Mario, so if the system is wrong, then wouldn't that mean that the whole astrological concept that we understand it is wrong too, if it is all mixed up? And maybe is this what the, the occulted knowledge that they share within these secret societies that they know the actual true knowledge? Is that? I would say in part, yes. So um, actually, and so when you start looking under a geocentric model, the pole star takes on a whole new significant angle to it. It becomes way more grand and powerful than you ever realized. And so for people who don't know, if you look in the night sky and if you were to take a time-lapse photo of the night sky, you're going to see a streak of stars going around in a circle. Right in the middle is going to be the pole star, Polaris, okay? And so it means that it's the hub of the wheel. It's the hub of the heavens, you know, and there's a correspondence with the North Pole and uh, the Northern Lights and what I refer to as the Axis Mundi and the North Star. And so everything revolves around that. So I actually think that studying astrology, it's a sun-based model, right? So you're looking at the ecliptic, which is the path of the sun. That's not the only sky clock out there. My understanding is that there were other sky clocks and the sky clock that I'm really fascinated with is the idea that Ursa Major and Minor were actually a primitive sky clock. So you're looking at Ursa Major and Minor go around Polaris, and that's how you were judging time. And these that's two the constellations, big dipper, little dip, right? For those yeah, that don't know, you got it. Big Dipper, Little Dipper, Dude. and you were actually looking at the stars go around uh, this point in the night sky, and it would change based on the years. Uh, sorry, based on uh, the seasons right. throughout the year. And this and is so. Um, this, this is, is kind of like swastika from. Oh, you took it right off the tip of my tongue, dude. I was just about go, to Mark. say Let's that. Sit back down. Mark. Well, let me say, I found that. Listen, Mark, you ain't the teacher. I told you guys about this, right? <laughs> Me and my girlfriend made a major discovery, a major discovery, a t- uh, almost the clip. <laughs> Cut it. <laughs> Cut the feed. <laughs> okay, you got me. We did discover that a few months ago, but this is not the right podcast for that. So, um, we were driving. We were driving down the road, and there's this huge boulder uh, that we found, and I thought it kind of sh- was shaped like the Big Dipper, the way it was shaped. And uh, these ancient stone structures are aligned to the stars. So I haven't done that, the astronomical calculations on this particular stone structure yet, but we found it. It's not in any of the books about these stone structures. Uh, so I feel like we made a discovery. More news uh, about that soon. Nice, nice. Dude, there is so much esoteric information tied to the dippers. It's completely nuts. That's where I'm at. So I knew we would get here at some point, some way, somehow. I can't not talk about it. Juan knows, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, know. Uh, I see you getting excited, bro. Talk- I don't do it. But is, yeah, this yeah. Why, is this why I like being the little spoon? Uh, is that Does that have any Whoa. correspondence to the astrological signs at all? No, that's because you're married to a Brazilian yes. woman. <laughs> you're also right about that, sir. <laughs> 
Wouldn't you want to be the big spoon? I don't understand. Well, she's tough. She's tougher than like, Juan. Like being the, I'm delicate, Chris. You know what I mean? I like to be a little different. Gotcha. So I'm sorry, I'm fucking with you, Mara. But yeah, I know you like no, the. Dude, you're all good. It, it hints at the one of my the one thing that really makes my nipples hard in this community is the portal talk. You know, I I love portal talk, and when you link the the you know the North Star to the that's why it's on the on the UN flag, right? The lizard people, right from the top, from the North Pole. They say that to where Satan comes from and all this stuff. And when you relate that to portals and whatnot, I just can't, you know, I just can't deny a good rabbit hole. So what he's referring to is basically that, um, you know, there is a real stairway to heaven, in my opinion, and it goes to the northern sky. It goes to the pole star. And so uh, even if you look at the northern lights, you know, this is uh, an electromagnetic phenomenon that happens because there's an opening at the north. So a number of groups talked about there being a stairway to heaven. And it's been illustrated a bunch of different ways. It's really interesting because there are Freemasonic tracing boards that have a stairway going directly to a seven pointed star. So when you see seven pointed stars or seven lights or uh, seven stars, you know, a lot of people would assume that they're the seven traditional planets or the Pleiades. Um, my thing is that I think a lot of times actually they're referencing Ursa Major and Ursa Minor and that they were very, very significant, these constellations, due to their relationship with the pole star, but they're also circumpolar, meaning that most of the world sees them every single night all the time. You know, it's like 90% of the world's population can see these circumpolar constellations revolving around the pole star versus the zodiac that dips below the horizon line, you know? So there's, I've given presentations about many, many different aspects of uh, pole star symbolism and everything else, but it's all over the place. That's, it's one of the, it's like a hidden secret, but once you have the eyes to see it, it's not so hidden anymore, really. And I have multiple books about the power of the pole star and everything else, but long story short, um, a lot of groups thought of this as the gateway to heaven. Even in the box saga, they say that upon your last breath, uh, your soul grows wings and flies to the north. This is like not an uncommon belief that mm. God or the goddess or heaven or hell exists at the north. And there's a lot of occult groups that basically use this northern gateway as a portal of sorts to get to other places. And so I didn't know if I was going to be recycling some of this information because Juan, we've talked about some of this stuff, you know, but I have a lot of different slides about a lot of these different types of things, but I didn't know if we were going to go there or not, but this is definitely my jam. I got you, dude. I like Polaris, the company, right? DC shoes as a seven pointed star, Subaru logo, seven star. Like I got you, right? Is it an actual ladder that just like goes up into the clouds though? Jacob's ladder, bro. Like, is it a physical ladder? Yeah. Like what? Like, all right. I hear you. I got you. I'm with you hundred percent. But like, let's talk about that thing that, you know, like, is it a is it go? Okay, you go, there's a stairway to heaven. I'm with you. What is that? <laughs> you know, well, it's funny because uh, the way symbolism works, you're just referencing other symbols to explain one symbol, right? And so it becomes this sort of thing where it's just like, okay, so the Egyptians referred to the opening at the north as a great horn, 
that the, the a great horn of a great bull, you know, uh, other groups have referred to it as, um, you know, like this staircase or ladder or whatever, you know, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, you know, I think that's a Northern reference. I think you're going up that pole, you know, um, this is what Mercury is all about, by the way. And this is one of the things I did want to talk about because it ties into all of this shit and more, but Mercury is like a psychopomp, right? So he's a guide of souls. So the idea is that when you take off from here, you need a guide and you need a vehicle and you need a map of where to go. These are the things that are required to get out of here. And so the guide of souls is known as a psychopomp. Mercury is heavily tied to the pole. And that's to me is what the caduceus is all about. He holds the caduceus and you have the twin serpents going up that caduceus. You have that bulb on top of the caduceus. That's the North ah, star. Ah, we, we had a, we had a, we had a, a expert come on here about the Caduceus episode or two back. And, and I tried to ask these same very questions and I was looked at as scorned by my two co-hosts. <laughs> Mario. So the way that Chris comes, uh, you know, towards these topics, he wants to know how to do this. How do you ascend that ladder? Are you able to get into a little bit what, because uh, he's thinking it from like a, a physical perspective. I think it's sure. more like, mental yo, bro, I, I like Ikea instructions. Well, you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me pull something up for you then that I think you would appreciate. Please. We got to make sure that the lizards are watching so you can't reveal any of their secrets, but let's teach Chris here how to ascend to the next well, dimension. Is, if you will. Well, just to say, I've never done it. So neither have I. That's right. why I'm an armchair. I'm an armchair cultist. I like I like this realm. I like this dimension. So I'm staying here. I just feel like, listen, man, we could study all the tracing boards and we can study all the mm-hmm. uh, sonic aprons and we can we can decode every last piece of art on every scratch into every Vatican fucking, you know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever seen that shit. It's in fucking incredible. But you know what I'm saying? You can go into this as deep as you want, you know, and, and I think we all clearly do, obviously. And I think it's like, you know, so Sometimes, yeah, like to know what the end of the deal is. Like, you know, like, I mean, bro, like there's all this, whether it's in the Arcana or it, it, it's in this system or it's in Kabbalah or it's in this system, right? And I, I, we seem to find the same thing, not regurgitated, but the same ideas in a lot of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So now, but what the fuck are they all saying? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> dude, I got the perfect book for you, man. If you really want to know. Um, I'm at, yes. <laughs> you got to read this book first though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually gave a presentation about uh, some of this uh, like a few weeks ago called Seven Gates to Great Beyond. And so I get into the symbolism, dude. And this is basically my slideshow from all of that. So notice I have the seven pointed star, um, you know, behind the text, you know, guys don't care about this stuff, but you know, here you have um, the seven processes of Azoth alchemy. Right. So notice that each tip has one of the seven traditional planets and in between each tip, you'll see a different sphere, you know. So this is one of the alchemical ways to transmute things. Right. It takes seven steps. So this is something that you'll see all over the place. Seven steps to do this. Seven steps to do that. We live in a place that, you know, where it's um, there's a band of colors. There's seven colors. There's seven chakras. Right. Um, here you can see the concentric rings of the spheres. You know, there's seven concentric rings. So a lot of people believe that if you want to get out of here, you actually access the moon first. Okay. If you so, want to travel. So, so uh, is that it? Is it the, is the end of the thing, the idea of you don't have to reincarnate and come back to, 
this, whatever this is, is that the idea? Well, what I'm hearing is that it's not sustainable to take off and not come back, that you're going to come back and that um, you can take off for short periods of time, Mm. get whatever info you want or whatever, have whatever experience you want, but you will be coming back and that there's a lot of groups. And this is uh, I'll show you the book right now because I have it in the slides. Uh, Send me the book. I want to read it. Dude, it's so it really it blew me away because it really syncretized a lot of fascinating Cool. interesting information for me and let me find it here and to to paint a picture for chris because you're talking about the next step that happens after you study this shit and you go how do i do this you're you want to step into the practicing of the occult which obviously is 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 a is a it's treacherous territory because you can't you know what i mean you're making deals with devil and outside entities but I don't think so. I really don't think that's correct, dude. I'll be honest. I think we're practicing occultists, the four of us, on a daily, minute by minute, second by second basis because we know all of this fucking information. And it's like a sword. How do you want to use it, Mm -hmm. right? But to what end? Rule the world like Elon Musk, bro, and just put it on your chest out there like a talisman and wear it. I think some people clearly do, you know, but those motherfuckers, it seems like, got to reincarnate back to this prison planet. But look how empty they look bro look at look at a picture of john d rockefeller look how empty he looks you know these people gave up their souls for what an exchange for the gold right the leprechaun the gold at the end of the of the rainbow and uh to add on to what we're talking about here a lot of alchemists also use these exact pictures as mandalas for their consciousness to transcend the dimensions and they're actually in the picture doing what you know uh, transcending this reality because they use sigils as a way to transport your consciousness to another dimension so it's Bro, not they're just, just drawing out their own dream board dude i get you dude well it's a tr- it's a masonic yeah exactly it's a masonic tracing board so it's not just yeah you can physically go there i'm sure there's a way to do that but it's all mental like they're letting their mind wander through these and that's why the pictures are, are almost similar in the similar uh, uh symbology because it's a mandala it's a sigil. You meditate on it and you're able to, again, go into a state of uh, transcendental meditation and all this stuff like that. You know what I mean? That's why lamb, the cult of lamb, they would use the Crowley lamb that they use as a way to get into his head. And there's a way where they say you can get into his head and, you know, fuse together with him and like ooze out of his head. Some crazy shit, bro. But it's, wow. it's all there. Stairway to heaven, right? Yeah, yeah. Stairway to Heaven by Peter Lavenda. So Chinese alchemists, Jewish Kabbalists, and the art of spiritual transformation. So he goes through multiple ascension texts where different groups talk about how to ascend. And dude, it's crazy because it all involves the number seven and it all involves uh, Ursa Major and the Pole Star. Um, And so this book is wild. If you're interested in this information and literally in his introduction right here, he has the Big Dipper in proximity to the pole star, because in my opinion, the pole star symbolically represents the preeminent gateway that a lot of groups are familiar with. Meanwhile, in the new age community and all over the place, they're pointing you over here and over there and this constellation and that star and everything else. But the main one, in my opinion, that people have been talking about for a very, very long time exists at the North. And just to kind of show you another way of looking at things, Um, so this is a book that I've talked to Juan about. It's called the gates of the Necronomicon by Simon. Uh, it's really wild because there are people who are doing uh, Lovecraftian magic and they were corresponding, corresponding the uh, mythos of Lovecraft and basically using it to ascend 
in conjunction with Ursa Major and the Pole Star. So here on the gates of the Necronomicon by Simon, you see these seven stars. This is Ursa Major, right? And so here in this book, um, this is called the Pace of You. Um, in the East, at least with this one group, they corresponded the seven traditional planets with the seven stars of Ursa Major. And they believe that you can go through this ritual walking called the Pace of You to, uh, to get out of here. But you start right here with the first star, which corresponds with the moon. You go through this walking and then you end up uh, at the Saturnian gate or what they refer to as the celestial gate. And so this is a whole tradition, dude. There's legs to this. This isn't just like uh, random or, or new or I've whatever. Seen, I've seen stone rows in shapes like this because one of the explanations for the stone rows in New England is that they were used for farming. But when you see one that isn't a square, you have to wonder like, why would why would they make that? And then when you see one that looks like the Big Dipper, you're like, oh, it's a freaking constellation. And now this is making a lot of sense. This is adding sure. up. Sure. You see here, this is Mithras slaying the bull. I'm sure you guys are familiar with this imagery, at least to some degree. Notice that there's seven stars within the cape of Mithras. This is a reference to Ursa Major, you know, but I, a layman's person is going to think that this, these are just the seven traditional planets, but there's a correspondence with that. Now, why so wouldn't just, they, uh, you know, make the, the shape in that case with the cape? Is that just artistic choice or? Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why wouldn't they just make them in the shape of the, the constellation? Because I think that it's um, on one level, it doesn't even matter what the shape is. So I have other examples on my computer with a um, Japanese warrior and he is a North star warrior. He is openly publicly in the history books, a North star deity. And um, so when they show him, there's this big white sphere behind him. And most people would think that's the sun, but it's actually the pole star. And a lot of times he's associated with seven dots and what I was reading about that deity is that when you see seven dots, it, it is a reference to uh, Ursa Major, regardless of how it's orientated, regardless of how it's actually laid out. And Very so cool. they would use artistic license to put the dots in different shapes, um, but the right. reference is still the same. So in a way, I think it's kind of uh, obfuscating it from right. normal folk who might see something else can instead I, of what their actual intention was. Can I take a guess at uh, one of these uh, on your list here? So I'm, I'm guessing all of these have to do with seven, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so seven hills or mounds, would that yeah. be a Cincinnati? Is that like where the, the word Cincinnati comes from? Cause I've heard Ross Ben talk about in Rome that Cincinnati was a city with seven hills. This is classic. This is actually, you can find examples of that all over the world. Wow. Is that uh, Rome is the same thing. Is that wow. seven hills of Rome. And so a lot of places that people consider to be like the beginning point of civilization or of man has that correspondence tied to it. Wow. And so there's a debate, right, where like the first civilization came from. And there's different opinions about that. I really liked uh, your conversation, dude, with uh, Dr. Longo. And he has his perspective about Florida, right? Kind of being Atlantis. You know, same idea. And there's people who think the box saga is a legit thing. Right. There's people who think Israel is the place, you know, there's people all over the place that have some of these ideas baked into the location where they grew up or where they uh, do their worship, 
worshiping because they think it's essentially that it's the central pole. They think that it's a significant place and that this is how you connect heaven and earth uh, via this location. Mm. But there's a lot of cities that actually have this sort of idea baked into it. And so seven hills or mounds is something that you'll find out there if you Google it. I'm sure there's multiple yeah. examples. Well, and what about the the triple seven? Because you see people take that on as like a namesake, uh, you know, like Crow triple seven comes to mind. <laughs> right. And then you have like the gambling machine with the seven, seven, seven uh, and like a lottery ticket. What, what what's the power between between the triple seven? I think the triple seven. Uh, that's a really good question. I think there's a number of ways of looking at it, but ultimately, if you're going to decode what it means, you have to look at the seven. And so, what does the seven mean? It means all of the things on my list, and kind of the gist of it is, I think it takes seven steps to get here. And I think there's seven steps to exit out of here, which is why the number seven is so significant here for a lot of different reasons. And so I think that ultimately that's what it's encoding. And so just like this sigil here, there's seven points. It says Babylon, you know, there's sevens all over the place. This is a reference to that central gateway that I'm talking about. That's why there's a Yoni right in the middle. And that's why there's sevens all over the place. And this is why uh, Ursa Major, you know, basically creates the swastika essentially, you know, that's where it comes from. And so, you know, there's a lot of tools that look like number seven, but here you can see Ursa Major as it goes around the pole star, it kind of looks like it's a number seven. So I think that literally the number seven comes from Ursa Major itself. That's my opinion. And so I think that when you literally write seven, you are referencing Ursa Major and everything that it encodes, including this, including the central gateway uh, portal sort of thing. So triple seven, you know, I think it's just like a magnification, you know, of that energy. I'm sure some people have very specific things to say about it, though, you know, because it equals 21. There's 21 cards in the Major Arcana. There's 22, including the full, you know, so um, there's a lot of things that you can kind of probably, you know, take out of that, too. But uh, I think the power of the seven is really, you know, what it's encoding and everything else. So, wow, wow. yeah, yeah. Um, the seventh card of the major arcana is the chariot card, right? And so um, I think that this star on top of its head is a reference to the pole star. You know, uh, that's why there's a canopy of stars uh, above his head. And there's uh, an esoteric Jewish tradition, basically, that is like all about the chariot. So um, it's called uh, Merkava mysticism, and that means chariot. And so the idea is that you take your chariot, your soul, your light body, and you go through the ascension process. And they believe that there's like palaces and like temples and shit that you can like worship at and study at, you know, in the heavens. Juan knows a lot about this kind of stuff, you know, and then you can return. Um, but you took your chariot with you, you know, that you are this vehicle, you are this traveler, uh, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of important seven symbolism that's definitely baked into the chariot card, which is number seven. Yeah. I think that good. He's got the, the armor like Elon. I, I think that the, I think there's, <laughs> I think the chariot card is so crucial, especially, and I hate to say it, but the Crowley deck, the way yeah. it's, he's the full metal alchemist. And that's what I think that they're hinting at where that that orb he's got in the middle, he's literally like birthing reality or something. Or he's got know. the metal armor on too. That's, yeah, it's a full metal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's the that's what transform. 
That's the top of the That's team. what Transformers is all about, right? They got like the armor and they literally Absolutely. and when they make the movies, they they literally film a fictional thing on a, a factual highway or whatever. And that's like what they're known for. Like if they say that they're at the Washington bridge or whatever bridge they're there, you know, a lot of p- places they go to sets or they do, but transformers, when they film, they film on site at the actual place. So again, I think it's uh, they're mirroring realities and, and transmuting fiction into reality. That's I, I fucking love that type of, of interdimensional talk. Yeah. Yeah, dude. No, you're spot on with that for sure. Um, and just so, just because I have it open, you know, I really think that's what the G is all about. It's about seven because it's the seventh letter of the alphabet. So it's what merges and, um, ties together. It both separates and binds heaven and earth, you know? So you've got the compass up top symbolic of heaven, and then you got the square down below symbolic of earth, and you've got the G right there in the center, which is the seventh letter of the alphabet. So I think ultimately um, it's at the very least encoding that as well on top of a lot of other things. You know, that's how I tend to see it personally. That's why the G spot is so hard to find, right? Anybody else find it <laughs> odd that Chris left when we put that particular symbol on uh, the screen? Uh, Mario, put that, know, put the G back up just for a second. <laughs> Let that soak sure, in. Sure, sure. Let that soak in for people. Look at, look at the absence. Oh, here yeah, he comes. Chris is still trying to find it, so that's why he's doing some type of way. <laughs> Are you making my same G spot joke back to me? <laughs> also, dude, the thing is, the seven in the sun is literally the sign for. Another green. All right. Anybody? 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 The seven and the, the Rosicrucians. Five percent nation that I've uh, talked about a bunch of times. Uh, Hip hop. Huh. Well, can we talk about something that happened recently? And I don't know if Mario has anything on it, but the death of what was it? Offset. He just died yesterday. I think he got shot somewhere. <laughs> is it Offset? Am I correct? Yeah. 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 Which, At a bowling I mean, alley. Yeah, they're 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 the through the group of three, right? The three magi, the three whatever, et cetera, et cetera. We got a lot of three symbolism. Uh, but do you have anything on that of how maybe it was it a ritual sacrifice? He was twenty eight. I don't know. I don't have anything on that specifically. I did see that news uh, for sure, but um, I do have a story on deck, something to decode that I don't know if we personally, I'm pretty sure we probably have talked about it, but maybe it'll be new to your audience or Chris or or Mark here. But um, I uh, wrote down that George Floyd, there's a lot of occult symbolism with George Floyd. Not sure if you guys have ever talked about that. Uh, but there's a lot of juicy stuff kind of going on with his storyline. I actually wrote down some notes of several things that we could talk about. If you want, I can run through the notes and then you guys can kind of choose the topic. Yeah. And I want to correct myself. I'm retarded. It's takeoff, not offset. I'm an idiot, but that's the, the rappers. <laughs> yeah, he took off to the other dimension is what he did. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead, dude, go ahead and, and go down your list and we can dude, rest in peace to that kid, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Supposedly over a dice game, you know, divination. Damn. I don't know. So uh, I know Juan, you know a lot about Pythagoras. Uh, you know, no, there's the main pass, fucking <laughs> <laughs> pass, hard pass. <laughs> there's, uh, I was looking through my folder of just like random images and stuff that I thought you guys might appreciate, and we can get into or whatever. But uh, there's the main Pythagoras image that's in uh, Secret Teachings. That there's things yeah. to decode in there that I've been wanting to get off my chest for a little while. Uh, there's that. On Sunday, I gave a presentation about chaos symbolism and this gnarly book that I have with like amazing artwork. Uh, I did a presentation on that uh, 
with Chance from Interverse. The book is right here. It's a monster. It's from 1733. I'm oh, yeah, I was watching that. I'm going to show you the book. Yeah, that's, the, that's one of the big ones. It's my, my secret teaching of all ages is that size, too. <laughs> nice. Jesus Christ. Was that made out of, like, human flesh? Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, dude. Comic-Con, dude. Um, so chaos symbolism is definitely a thing for me right now. Uh, and the first plate is about chaos. Uh, also mercury and mer- mercurial symbolism, how it ties into some of this Northern stuff and Freemasonry. I already told you about George Floyd. Uh, the death card could be something we can get into because we are in Scorpio season. And so, and then I have written down, which we already talked about Elon Musk, Iron Man stuff. Somebody in the chat asked if you have anything on Nancy Pelosi and the hammer symbolism Ooh. with her, <laughs> with her husband, allegedly. Do you have anything on that? No, I don't even know anything about that. What's going on? <laughs> Supposedly, was he got attacked by his gay lover or something? That's the conspiracy. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband was doing extracurricular activities with a you know, one of, uh, you know, a homosexual or whatever, a gay or something. And dude, allegedly, 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 allegedly. Yeah, I did. Wow. Allegedly, I don't know. And he got attacked by a hammer or something. Or he's going to get attacked by a hammer. Is that dick called a, the hammer? Or <laughs> we got four hey, hammer. It was elderly abuse. Okay. An elderly politician's husband <laughs> was assaulted, Mario. Okay. That's what happened. Gotcha. Don't listen to gotcha. this huckster. He ain't a fucking politician. He just married one. That's dude. what I said. I said an elderly politician's husband. He ain't shit. Got assaulted. Listen with your ears. As the elderly member of this podcast, you should be tuned in. You should be listening. I got my gay lover's jizz in my ears. I can't hear shit, dude. All right. Oh, that's why you moved neighborhoods. That That makes sense. That's why you moved into the new neighborhood where there aren't any trick or treaters, huh? Yeah. They don't have any kids. That's why it's all gay couples. (laughs) That's a thinker. Anyways, let's get away from the controversial topics, Juan. Uh, You had something that. So mean, by the way. Who brought that up, Chris or Juan? We had something a different direction we were going. Oh, the Nancy Pelosi, the chat did. Don't blame me, bro. Oh, the chat, the chat. Hi, chat. Blame the chat. Hit the thumbs up. Share with your mom, your grandma, everybody. Well, I sent some some. Speaking of the chat, I sent some links in the chat for Juan to open up at some point during this podcast. So Juan, can you open up those uh, links and we'll have our friend Mario here uh, decode some of these symbols unless Mario has something that he uh, had prepared that he was, I don't know. He has a, I don't want to interrupt. Few, I mean, I'm down to do whatever. So cool. uh, I'm having a good time regardless. So yeah, show me stuff. We'll talk about it. Juan, All right, so hit the link. Show you the first one here. It's all sigil magic, but what are we looking at? What is this supposed to invoke? No, not that one. The one with the the one with the uh, the splashes. Yeah, I don't know. You just don't, we're near it, next to the classic one. Yeah, this well, one. Yeah, they've been cha- they changed their logos up over the past five years. What is this up? What is this about? They have. Yeah, That's lately they've been doing like this kind of thing where it's like a like a weird collage of colors instead of just Dude, the classic red. Their logo is a word mark. It's like that's their logo. So it's always the same except it Well, get maybe Mario has a thought about it. I don't I don't know. Specifically the blood. 
Is that where that's that's what you're wanting to talk about? This no, I don't have any thoughts on it. I'm neutral. I want to know what you your symbolic eye sees when you see this logo. That's all. right. You know, I mean, with this one specifically, because it is just it's written or whatever. I mean, just from like a branding perspective and stuff, it's obvious that they're trying to like uh, evoke this old time equality and tradition and everything else. And so I think it's just kind of. Uh, more of them just being like a throwback sort of brand that's trying to, you know, obviously stay relevant and everything else. Um, It's actually kind of nice, dude. When I see older logos and like older ads and stuff, it's amazing how much detail is in some of the older brands and advertisements. You know, you could even read like a paragraph describing like whatever the ad is about versus now it just doesn't fly. You know, everything has to be really, really simple and everything has to be like straight to the point, um, you know, because people's attention spans are just like diminishing, right? Because people don't even know how to write cursive anymore either, you know? So um, as far as esoteric stuff related to Coca-Cola, I personally don't see too much going on on that end but that's just me if you guys have anything to say about okay this. coca-cola cc 33 so I hold on. that's true hold on one look at this meme you just pulled up one what was going on in the 80s that was not their logo in the 80s i don't know dude it <laughs> look, says coca-cola logo evolution it says coke <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> it says coke with a k it doesn't say anyways whatever all right get hit, get him with the next one okay you got a bunch of corporate uh, yeah. signs. I thought there was gonna I thought he was gonna tell us the C is like a fork tongue, <laughs> lizard tongue. I don't know. I'm thought to hit him with the next one. Maybe there's something in the next one. All right. Got the Marlboro here. Some of the oldest sigils. Nice. Uh we can take that logo part. Is there anything on that? Yeah, there is. So if you want to zoom in on it, that'd be awesome. Well, let me, if it's possible. Let me, op- let me open it up here. Here we go. Oh, dude, that's like a unicorn and like a griffin horse. Is it a unicorn? I think so. No, it's, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. It's got like a weird tail. Where's its horn, dude? Right there. It's got a horn. It's got a crown, bro. That's a crown, big dog. No, no, no. The <laughs> other one has a horn, bruh. That's the ear, big ears. <laughs> you guys are you know, such simpletons. <laughs> such I simpletons. I see more ears as well, personally, you uh, know. But it definitely, it does remind me of the, um, you know, the royal insignia of uh, of the royal family over in England, you know, mm. but theirs mm. is a lion and a unicorn for sure, okay. you know, and you'll notice that the unicorn is always chained, which I think is really fascinating. And I know we're not talking about the unicorn and the lion right here, but there's a lot of esoteric stuff with that symbol. Um, a lot of people correspond the unicorn with cancer and then Leo, the lion is, you know, the next sign. So cancer and Leo. And so there's a lot of things kind of at play here with that, but here, you know, having two horses and stuff, I think that the horse is a psychopomp symbol. So that's kind of my thing. So whether it's the horse or the boat or the chariots, um, I think all of those symbols are part of the transition to the other side. Right. And so I think that they've been used as such like over the ages. So when I see the horse, that's what I think of. I think of uh, the journey to the other side, you know? And so um, there's a very like, you know, there's a spiritual traveling aspect to the horse that I think is really beautiful actually. And then horses obviously pull chariots right. as mm-hmm. well. So, but I think that's all part of the same lineage, the horse, the boat, the chariot. 
very similar. But yeah, they're definitely going for the uh, the royal sort of vibe here. Now, has anyone the two pillars immediately as soon as I saw yeah. the two pillars and what that's like a gateway? Has, yeah, there's like a symbolic gateway. Has going anyone on else looked at it and thought like red blood, red sky, glowing white pyramid? Like, look at the box. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like the two pillars are situated directly under the the apex of the pyramid too, and then yep. gold. They got the gold in there, yeah. and a little egg. They got the egg here. Yeah, you got the well. And I I was kind of facetious about being naive. I actually read that it's a lion and a unicorn. I just didn't want to be a know it all. It is a lion and a unicorn. Yeah, where's its horn at? Well, I guess <laughs> I guess not every you know. I think the the package logos evolved like you know maybe the original one was more detailed and then they've evolved it down to be uh less detailed but yeah that's what i read so uh i'm testing you a little bit mario but you know oh, good. i'll admit it <laughs> so did um juan you're referring to uh the pillars with the uh, the horses and then right the l and the b yeah, well, the, the the horses, right, can also be, yeah. you said, the psycho pump, and, uh, you know, they're pulling the chariot, which the chariot, I think, is the manifester of reality. And then, you know, I, I, since I love portals, I'm always looking out for that, you know, the 101, the portal opener, the, the, the other dimension, right? And, I mean, it's smack dab in the middle of the pyramid here, if you will, right, the triangle. Um, you know, the Freemasonic apron also this is upside down. You know, you have the Freemasonic apron if you connect this this triangle here and you flip it upside down. And that's got to do it again with Pythagoreanism and all that stuff. So, it, you know, it's all encoded in there, literally. Uh, and one of the most powerful things that there is, which is tobacco and in the industry of tobacco. Uh, what better way than to capture people by literally putting sigils and, you know, uh, capture you know addiction right we're talking about the archons the seven deadly sins well you know sloth greed uh lust all these things are related to uh this you know if you one of the things that the gnostics talked about is in order to transcend because we we're talking about ascension and transcending is you needed to overcome every single celestial sphere was a different dimension and you needed to know the demon's name but if you succumb to one like lust or the sloth or greed or whatever it was you were brought back down into samsara reincarnation and you would you would be you know yeah. eternally cursed to redo the whole cycle all over again and what a better thing than cigarettes right that get people addicted get people attached to this material realm and you know it's an addiction people you know they they, they die literally and they get lung cancer or whatever and and uh it's a really ugly thing so, uh, yeah, so awesome stuff, dude. And uh, I have a few new thoughts now. So basically what I'm kind of picking up now with everything is absolutely the two horses. Whenever you see two energies come together, there is a natural gateway that forms. You know, this is why the Gemini twins are what they are, you know, and that's why the symbol for Gemini, literally, it's the twin pillars, basically. And so the gateway symbol is receptive. It's more like a yoni, right? The thing that passes through the gateway is more phallic. It's more like a lingam, you know? And so it's really interesting that we have the L and the B creating a symbolic gateway. And then just like the twin pillars, right? Uh, and then you have the horses creating a symbolic gateway, also implying traveling. And so they're kind of promising you uh, this transcendent sort of experience, right? This uh, via smoking the cigarette. And then you pull out the cigarette itself and it's a little phallus, you know, it's a little pole. And so poles and holes, that's the other thing that I emphasize is that where there's a pole, there's a hole. They seek each other. Exactly right. Just like that. Dude, that is a great name for a strip club. 
I agree. So, I thought the same speaking thing. Of yeah. a, <laughs> speaking of Musk earlier, right, with the ram's head or the goat's head or whatever, and then we're talking about the phallus, right, and the that ring, uh, you know, the whatever, the whole, holes and holes right here. I mean, this is, again, the rings are deck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you're, yeah, you're absolutely right, dude. Do you guys ever think though, like, you know, like, man, I've been a graphic designer for, I don't know, better part of 20 years. Right. And sometimes shit just looks good together. And then sometimes you'll notice (laughs) that there's also like, like waves in society. Like right now, like there's a certain type of rap and in five years, it'll be a different kind. So the same thing applies for fashion. So the same thing applies for logos. So it's like, you know, this is an old company. You know, a lot of companies back in the day, they got like Latin, you know, sayings. They all had their own little Latin saying, for right? So maybe you ever think it was just kind of like, and like, I'm not trying to be a wet blanket, but maybe it's- For aesthetics. Yeah, maybe it just worked. Maybe it just- Oh, and, yeah. And, and, like, and like, trust me, like, I know a tattoo artist that worked dicks into like, you know, cougar faces. And like, I, I understand there's the Disney movies with Johnson's on the cover and all that. You know what I mean? I got you. But like sometimes the shit just looks good too. I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I hear you loud and clear. And actually, to be honest, I think I went through this whole trajectory uh, where I was all about, you know, thinking everything's esoteric yeah. and yeah. this crazy thing <laughs> and whatever. And then I kind of chilled out a little bit and just, I kind of now have a similar opinion where I'm like, you know, some of this stuff is just literally, it just looks good. It's somebody like me or you designing it for a business. You know what I mean? Look at Ferrari. You You could be like, you could be like, oh, my God, it's a shield. They're warriors. Oh, my God, it's a black horse. That means they're transitioning to the next dimension via the Saturn. Like, I get it. But also, maybe a black stallion is just fucking badass. Yeah. Well, the wild thing is, it, it really truly is both. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, it, I totally- it can be both. And so oh. there are times where you could overestimate maybe the value, the symbolic value of something. Oh. And then there are times where you can completely underestimate it too. And I'm guilty of doing both at different times. And there's <laughs> also the aspect of people unknowingly carrying on the symbolism by design, by the totally. history, by what Chris is saying, where it's like the guy who designed it that one day didn't have any occult intentions with it or esoteric stuff, but the guys before him, maybe, you know what I mean? And exactly. it's everything that you think it means and more because you weren't the original designer of the X uh, symbol. You know what I mean? Uh, which we, it brings us to our next one, Exxon. I mean, X marks the spot. I don't know if you have anything on this. That T? <laughs> you know about that T. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the what's it? The cross of... Uh, Is it, it's the, not the cross of Lorraine. It's the Templar like cross. Like the Templar cross. There you go. Yeah, but I was hoping Mario would have that one. Um, Sorry. What do you see in this one, Mario? Because, you know, symbols are not one note. There's bound to be other uh, things we can get from that. We yeah. talking about yeah, yeah, crosses definitely. earlier. I mean, I think it's interesting that you got the X and the O next to each other. So uh, the cross or the X and the zero or the circle they're almost like two sides of a spectrum, I guess you can say, you know, in a lot of ways. And so X on, you know, definitely reminds me of X and what that represents, you know, like something being canceled out or deleted and then on. So you almost have kind of like this pairing uh, right. phonetically 
of these two things that are off and then on right next to each other. So I feel like there's kind of this natural duality polarity sort of thing going on with that. Mm. Um, and they have changed it over time. Now they spell it out where it's E X X O N like further that, right? that polarity. Yeah, at least the ones in Connecticut, the Exxon mobiles in Connecticut look like that, but you know, um, yeah. Right. Interesting. Right. And so X marking the spot. I mean, I'll just say it because it just, it's, it's truly how I feel, but I think symbolism, I think kind of like the whole language of symbolism as we know it, including all of the esoteric stuff and uh, the planets and constellations and the letters and everything else. I really feel like there's a Northern origin with all this stuff. Uh, that's another angle to some of what I was talking about earlier is that there are a number of groups who think that uh, humanity comes from the north and returns to the north and so everything is an expression of this axis mundi of the pole star of of what happens there it's like the sacred center that emanates everything it's like a seed sort of thing so everything came from this expression and returns back to it it's like the center of the toroid i guess you can say the center of the toroid all comes out from one original spring in the middle so i think if you analyze anything uh, through that lens, you're going to start finding those connections. And so the X or the cross, in my opinion, the center of an X or the center of the cross is the North. That, mm. That's what I think, you know, that that's what it ultimately represents. So it's a Northern symbol. It's a Northern reference. Wow. And then we have the, obviously on, on the topic of, the, of crosses. Yeah. You know, we kind of have sort of a, right. Daddy, daddy, uh, Elon's logo here have anything on that right right um you know it just it looks obviously phallic it looks penetrative notice that the energy is moving downward so there is this connection to the earth actually that i feel like is being emphasized and so even when you look at like uh an upside down um pentacle right the pentagram you know the tip is going towards the bottom uh <laughs> and then also uh earth uh if you look at the alchemical triangles earth is a downward triangle as well you know so they're definitely emphasizing i think uh the earth with this one they're drawing your eye downward and then notice that in most of these examples or at least just some of them maybe a tesla is right below uh the t but i think that a lot of these things too from a branding perspective it's like they don't want people to know in a i mean I guess maybe the jury's out about Tesla, like uh, historical Tesla, you know, what he was all about, what he represented. Is he a construct? Is he not? Was he a legit person? All these different types of things. But to me, it really seems like uh, some of these brands are put out there so that people don't find the original source for the name. And I think mm. Tesla is like a pretty good example of that, probably. Interesting. So if you Google Tesla, you're going to find everything about Elon Musk and these cars and everything else, but you're not going to find out about historical Tesla probably. But dude, didn't he, he didn't start that company. He bought that company. Yeah. He bought the name. Yeah, He bought the company. That's the, that's the other thing. So it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if, I mean, I don't, I, I think he's a construct though. I, I don't know. Who <laughs> wait, wait. So Mario, I did an episode that I said that Elon Musk is one of the little machine elves from the DMT realm in this dimension. Do you <laughs> think that maybe he is a DMT elf that escaped his matrix and is trolling us here on this realm right now? 
my hunch, I mean, I don't know about the DMT elf sort of thing. That's interesting. I mean, I would listen to whatever episode you have about that. <laughs> but to me, when I think of Elon Musk, I think that he's buying his own shit. And I think that he thinks that he's as <laughs> precious and as smart as people say that he is. But I think that he's being handled in some way, shape or form, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just another puppet, another empty vessel, if you will, for these elites to play their little... A game of chess, right? The original intention behind the game of chess was to what? Uh, to affect reality, right? In, in real in real time, right? That you have the the golden dawn with their form of chess, which again is another sort of divination technique. So you have the right. black and white checkered board and all that stuff. So I think it's a real life game of thrones, if you will, uh, with these elites and the stuff that they pull out. And then obviously, uh, look at we got we have here, Daddy yep. Bezos. With his, you first you start off with. Remember that 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 theory that I presented to you, where the more books you have in the world, like the more power you have. And we we dug up all those people who had the biggest libraries. Obviously, John D. being one of them. Mm-hmm. But then, who was Jeff? Uh, you know, from Amazon, he had a bunch. He started selling books at first. He had a ton of books, and essentially, if you look at it, he, he does have the biggest collection of books in the world right now because Amazon still does sell sure. books. So. Something about right. those books. Oh, definitely. Dropship method, and he doesn't have any of those books. <laughs> or that, Chris. It's all so simple until you think about it. Yes, you're absolutely <laughs> right, bro. So just real quick uh, about Tesla. That logo, by the way. Uh, the Tau Cross. I think that's important. And just the the every single letter, by the way, just like as you mentioned, Coca-Cola 33, uh, as I said earlier, G number seven, every single letter is its own rabbit hole, you know, and so you can probably write a whole book on every letter esoterically. I have a book called Magical Alphabets. This guy gets into a lot of really cool esoteric stuff with a lot of world alphabets and he breaks down every single letter. This guy's name is Nigel Pennick for anyone who's curious, but the T definitely has its own weave and has its own history. Um, and it includes the Tau cross. So the T is very much related to the cross, you know, and Tau or Tav, um, you know, corresponds with the world card. It's the last card of the major arcana. There you go. And so uh, there's a lot of things you can get into with Tau and it's even a mathematical function as well. Some people actually prefer tau over pi. They think pi uh, is a little redundant and we should be using tau, uh, which I think is kind of interesting. And so, um, and then from there, you can just kind of continue pulling at things, but definitely the power of the T um, is a thing. Yeah. And the triple tau, uh, they uh, yeah, was under, uh, understood as like a, a symbol of like the creator uh, that's why people would align their names numerologically. And this has to do with Shakespeare and the Shakespearean and the Baconian code, right? Where it's like this whole rabbit hole if you go down it, but it's got to do a lot with the, with the triple towels, like at the center of it all. Dude. The triple towel I put in one of my videos for cancer because what I found out that the Freemasons believe is that literally the horizontal line of the triple towel is symbolic of uh, Aries and Libra. So Aries, there it is. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Aries would be on one side, Libra's on the other side, and then the vertical line in the middle points to Cancer. And Cancer was uh, known as the gateway of man, and that this is what we incarnate through. We come through the gateway of man, which is Cancer, and we leave via the gateway of the gods, which is Capricorn. Another four of them. 
it's another portal. Exactly, dude. And so that's why you have the keystone on top of the Royal Arch, you know, and so through that hole of the Royal Arch is where the keystone goes. And this is where the light shines down uh, onto the figure that a lot of times is in between the pillars that the uh, the arch uh, is supported on. So yeah, that's my understanding. Here. There's this astrological correspondence with the uh, triple tau there. Yeah, this is a really deep rabbit hole. Whoever wants to go down it one day. Yeah. Uh, it's like really deep. Like they break all this down uh, again, triple tau. Like it goes so deep. Um, and again, it's like staring at clouds. I see one thing, you see another. So, uh, you know, you can get really lost in the sauce. <laughs> that, that's uh, true, dude. When it comes to that. We have yep, another. Yep. Let's see here. So we did Amazon. We have. <laughs> okay. You don't need to show that one. <laughs> you set me up, bro. You don't need don't to do show that. that one. Well, look, I wanted to show. Here's another uh, cigarette brand with a pyramid in it. Boom. They're Oof. doubling nice. up on pyramid symbolism. I wonder what the, the connection is. And then Siri, a serious one that I sent you on. The latest one I just sent you is very serious. No, right. no jokes. If it's not, I'm going to take. No, there's no jokes. This well, is uh, camel corresponds with the Hebrew letter, which is Gimel, ah. and then that corresponds with the high priestess card. And oh. so, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff there if people want to pull at that. But you know, there was a time Egyptology, dude. It's really fascinating that there are just times where it, it just blew up, and it's part of like you know just mainstream culture, and people are excited about it, and people want to read books about it, and watch movies, and like everything else. And so um, I'm not exactly sure like what decades those are, um, but I know for a while, just from a branding perspective of taking advantage of something that's popular, Egyptology was like definitely a thing at like multiple points throughout history. Yeah. So part of me kind of thinks about that too. Well, Camel cigarettes, CC 33 again. There you go. So yep. this, this latest thing I sent Juan to show uh, the rock symbols. These are carved in, to a very large rock uh, that mm. was found in Dighton, Massachusetts. And uh, nice. to this day, they haven't really figured out who originally... Well, where are you right now? Just so do, I'm trying to find a bigger picture of it. Oh, no, it's um, fine. I'll zoom in through Zoom so oh, okay, okay. people wa watching can see it. I didn't even know you were moving it around my bed. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, but yeah, can you see this, Mario? What do you think? Is there anything that stands out like from here that may be connected to a constellation uh possibly the one down at the bottom there um some people have looked at this and thought oh there's like norse symbolism in it and you know mm -hmm. in the area yeah. we have native american cultures there's you know only theories say that the norse people were there right right well you know just rock art in general petroglyphs and stuff um I was fortunate enough to take a series of classes with a guy locally in person, and he had spent his life breaking down petroglyphs and stuff in the Pacific Northwest. And so he had a lot of photos of the petroglyphs and his whole thing. He had a different take than anything else I've ever heard. This is not necessarily my jam or whatever, but what he said really resonated with me personally. And he said that there's actually a very practical reason for some of the petroglyphs that you see. And what they're doing is they're scrawling or they're encoding these rocks with information about local plant life, the water, 
the minerals in the rocks, the minerals in the uh, in the soil, in the dirt, if you should drink this water, uh, different alchemical formulas on how to create different things that might be helpful for you. And so he was saying that when he sees a lot of rock art, what he sees is actually notes being passed from mm. uh, one tribe to the other potentially, or mm. maybe within the same tribe. Right. And they're literally relaying important information about what is actually going on with that land. So even like, hey, don't drink this water because it has too much of this in it, we found. Right. If you're going to do uh, whatever sort of create this kind of medicine, you might want to use X, Y, or Z that you can find locally or whatever. Dude, Mario, have you ever seen uh, the train uh, hobo art? Oh, yeah, I was just dude. thinking about I that. Love that man. Yeah, that's like exactly. a modern expression of that same concept. Wow, good point. What's it called Chris. the 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 what? Hobo art. art. Hobo art. They put that along like railroads and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. I'm glad you you mentioned that, Mario. I know that's not your forte, but at least uh, oh. you you spent some time with that expert, and it's cool to hear you relay that. I, I think, you know, within that line of thinking, it could be that the Native Americans knew, hey, this is an area where, like, European fishermen come a lot. So maybe that's why they carved, like, a rude drawing of what kind of looks like a guy wearing armor, right? Because they're like, yo, yeah. this is like Vikings come around here, dudes, watch out for them kind of thing to your point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, wow. it could be really practical stuff. It may not be cosmological or anything like that. It looks and, like Basquiat, dude. <laughs> it does. So, um, but as far as, you know, what else is potentially in there? Yeah. I mean, you see uh, a horned animal that could be Taurus, you know, or it could be another number of animals or uh, representations, you know, so definitely to unpack this one uh, would require some time. Yeah. yeah. It's like you said, that practical use of it, like, Hey, you know, we don't, we don't have paper. We don't have, pens let's just chisel it into this rock to pass it on to the next generation like hey this means x it doesn't have to be a cult hit or anything like that always it could just be a rock that they were just graffiti or doodling on you know what i mean like Dude, have you ever seen how much graffiti is in the grand gallery of the fucking great pyramid like above the tomb like uh -huh. of it mm. there's mm -hmm. there's I've never seen that napoleon's fucking dudes were graffitiing it like wow yeah, dude. So we've been doing this since day one. With people like, why do people do graffiti to this day? It's like there's something in the human spirit that wants to put their name on shit. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, it's a, I, I believe it's to carry that energy on. That, that, that I relate that to the whole immortal alchemist where they want to carry. As long as people in this realm remember your name for eternity, that's why you have all these these ancient bloodlines, you live on forever in another, like I was, we're talking about the seven steps of ascension. Maybe in one of those seven steps, you exist as long as people remember your name by putting you on buildings, streets, making liter literal statues. There's stories of Hermes Trismegistus where he was, uh, he had like this, these cities and at the top of this tower, they had uh, animated statues that would watch over the people and uh, you know, report their sins and all this stuff. So everybody was like, it was like a utopia. Everybody was, you know what, that, that we have to be good because the eye of Sauron or whatever it's called is up there and it's watching us. But it was animated statues. And that's why I think the Egyptians built statues. The, you know, all these conquistadors and all this stuff, even Henry Flagler from Florida, they all have statues and busts everywhere. Uh, you know, you think of Futurama where they have the talking heads and they're like busts. 
Christians. You know what I mean? They were still alive, the historical people. So again, I think there's a, a metaphysical aspect of it to where they are they live outside space and time in some sort of way by having these cities named after them and stuff like that. Uh, we have here right. hobo art. I've never seen this before, <laughs> Mark. Well, and then we should point out that our intention that we set, we may have gotten a little away from, but we set the intention yes. of examining some Illuminati symbols. So maybe before we start wrapping up here, Mario, uh, are there any uh, connections that you can draw? I mean, we did look at the square and compass earlier. That's a big one that people connect, yeah. obviously, to the Masons and the Illuminati. Uh, Juan, if you would uh, share the link that I sent oh, you. Oh, I thought I was sharing this whole time. I'm no. like, flipping through the pictures and shit <laughs> no 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 it's okay there you go. but yeah there's uh there's quite a few symbols that get associated with the illuminati i mean here that's a good right. one to focus on one because it kind of shows you a couple different ones all mm -hmm. at once but uh what do you think mario is this all just like uh internet hype or is there some actual historical significance to these being associated with the illuminati uh you know i think the internet has done a lot of interesting things and uh, ran <laughs> with a lot of this material, you know? Um, but I mean, what, like in terms of the Illuminati too, it's like, it's almost like, what do you guys think the Illuminati is? Cause I feel like that's kind of one of the deals behind it. Um, I'm not opposed to there being an Illuminati that exists. I don't know if you guys are referencing it as like a generic sort of term catch all sort of thing, or there's like a very specific group that you guys are thinking of. I think uh, it's a blanket uh, term. Like we're using it as, you know, Freemasons, Rosicrucians, all secret societies, like the, the cloaked veil motherfuckers. We're using, in movies. we're using all of those definitions, but with specifically with the title of the show, we're using the general mm -hmm. phrase, right? Like we all, we've discussed all the aspects of the definition at least I have. I, I think we've discussed it on the show in the Patreon yeah. uh, portions. And, and yeah, I'm aware of the historical Illuminati. So, but what do yeah. you think? Uh, you know, as far as the symbolism goes, let's just talk about the Eye of Providence, you know, and what that's all about. Right. And so um, this idea of there being an eye in the sky is what I think of. And so the eye in the sky, I'm going to sound like a broken record. It's a North star reference. These are all like what I'm saying. Symbolic language is a Northern North star axis Mooney reference. Right. Uh, it's, these are polar concepts. These are polar symbols. In my opinion, every well, single one of them, it's the brightest you know, star. So, I mean, it's looking at us all the time, at least. Right. I mean, and even in the Southern hemisphere, they can see it or no. No, they can't. And that is actually a code that I want to crack. Okay. Um, so I've been in touch with, you know, a couple of Australians. But uh, they can totally see gets it. They can see the uh, Big Dipper and Little Dipper in the Southern Hemisphere, you said earlier. Uh, I said 90% uh, of the world's population can. Oh, okay. Depending on where okay. you're at in Australia, I believe okay. you can definitely be too far south okay. Uh, okay. in order to see it. But most of the world's population has been able to see it, including people in India and China and stuff like that. So really, really old histories. Um you know, people were referencing it and, and well, but that's, acknowledging that's it. That's because most people live have lived historically above the equator in the northern hemisphere, though, right? I mean, we're talking what? about is that what you're, is that what you're suggesting that that it's because it's been 
because I've never been to the southern hemisphere, so I'm curious. Can you you can't see the North Star there, but you you can see the Ursa Major and Ursa Minor at some points of the year. Uh, the actual line of when you can't see it anymore, I, I don't know off the top of my head, mm. but yes, you're right. It, it's uh, a lot of people, even I believe just south of the equator, can see um, some of Ursa Major. Ursa Minor is too close to the pole star, mm. and so you wouldn't be able to see it. Um, but when I was doing research, all I was looking for was just like percentage of the population that is above that threshold. Mm. And what I came across was that 90% of earth's population can see it, you know, essentially. Um, but it has to do because yeah, they're living more North. Chris, um, why did you scream what? Because you're, you're, you're opposed to the idea that the majority of the population lives North of the equator. I think that's pretty fair to say. Maybe, Mm. maybe not. I mean, mean, do you know where the equator is on the map, Chris? Can you look at a map right now and, and, and tell me, because it's just it's just Africa, South America, uh, Southeast Asia, and Australia that are below the equator, which mm-hmm. leaves a very large portion of Asia uh, and North America, Central America, the top or upper portion of South America, upper portion of Africa, upper portion of China. Yeah, I don't need the fucking geography lesson. <laughs> India. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The condescension. I'm Damn just saying, God. you go, what? I get, I get what you're saying. Japan. A shitload of people that live south of the equator, right? And majority in what time? We're talking about overlapping ideas here between population and time of human history. You're talking about northern. This has always been my interesting point about with black people with going to Christianity because it's a solar northern cult. So how the fuck y'all get on it? I told her it called the white supremacist religion. <laughs> All right. Well, it's adopting your captor's religion. It's like definitely. Yeah, but that's Stockholm shit right there. Definitely. Like I totally understand what you're saying, Mark, but there's a fucking massive amounts of people that have lived south of the equator on planet Earth and <laughs> time space. You know what I'm I mean? I'm just like, asking questions. I'm not, I'm not making a point. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm like you know, I think what Mario is saying is very important. And mm-hmm. and if it is skewed towards people in the Northern Hemisphere, I'd say that checks out, at least with our historical records. Most of sure. them take place in cultures that are above the, the Northern portion of the equator. We're also mm-hmm. talking about the, the information that's been able to be saved over time, space, and that peoples that haven't been conquered, et cetera, et cetera. It's right. like, when and where are we talking about? If you want to do shit like that, blanket statement shit, which I'm all about, we should like kind of figure out what it is we're talking about a little bit here. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about, remember Dreamtime Aboriginal art? You didn't know what that was the other day? It's like this whole thing. Mm-hmm. There's so much shit that's going on here that I think we have to be kind of specific. If you're talking about all the shit that we're talking about, Fibonacci pie, all this shit encoded into buildings. Yeah, dude, you don't find them fucking in Africa. You find them in Western white Europe. Like, yeah, but I think you got to be kind of, specific with what you're talking about i'm just talking about the people that are following the north star bro dude it's a cult i'm in (laughs) i'm saying the people that see the north star it's pretty relevant to what we're talking about if you can't see the north star Mm -hmm. you're probably not a part of this culture that worships the north star and i think that'd be very fascinating if 
there was information to oppose that. For example, the Aborigines, if they somehow knew about the North Star, that would be incredible information. I don't know if that's what Mario is suggesting, but uh, but I'm curious. Also assuming the eye of providence, which most people think is God, is mm-hmm. now the North Star. So it's like changing the meaning of, in some people's eyes, of what the, the, the symbol means in the first place. So, yeah. again, we're assuming certain parts of this conversation, dude. It's It's like like looking at clouds. I see what I see. You see what you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. And I'll just say too, I wouldn't expect anybody to jump on board with what I'm saying like immediately because it is actually a true paradigm shift, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not something that comes easy. It's not something that comes quickly. I'm not even saying I'm right. So if it resonates with people, that's awesome. But if it doesn't, that's totally cool too. But one of the things to me that was really uh, a game changer was that I have an older friend and you can keep all this stuff up too, the eye of Providence thing. Cause I'm going to get into it, but just to lay a little bit of groundwork, I guess I have an older friend who got really into symbolism. He is not a flat earther. He is not a geocentrist, right? That is not his game. When I started getting into it, he's just not down, you know? And so we've talked about it many times, but that's just not where he's at. And so as I've been bringing these things up though, over the years and his library is huge. He's very, very well read. He's written books about mythology sort of thing, right? So he's not just like a casual symbolic hobbyist sort of guy. He has done a lot of research and work with all of this stuff. So he would grok a lot of the things that I'm kind of presenting to him, even though he may not agree with it. And at some point I kept on bringing up Northern symbolism and how people Um, think that God came from the North and everything else. And he basically said, he goes, dude, he goes, the Supreme deity for most cultures and religions comes from the North, whether they know it or not, that is the reference. There's a reason why Santa Claus comes from the North pole and he's like pop culture, God, basically, in my opinion, you know, so that's not an accident. You know, it's not an accident that we don't, we put a uh, star on top of a tree. You're putting the North star on top of a world tree. That's what you're symbolically. Well, and and I have heard exactly what you're relaying before. And and the understanding is that people who aren't aware of the North star, because they can't see it physically from where they are on the globe, they create more of a pantheonic, religion that has Mm. more of a multitude of forces rather than one central deity so i'm really glad that we got there what's really fascinating is even in uh india when you look at vedic mythology and everything they have these guys called the rishis and so their whole opinion is that the seven rishis came from the north and they literally correspond one of the rishis one of the sages per each star in ursa major you know And so they're very, some of them, not all of them, just like what I talked about earlier with this kid talking about geocentrism and stuff, but some of the people who study that stuff are very well aware that a lot of groups, deities come from the North. And so there is this idea that the throne of God exists at the North, right? So therefore the eye of God is also at the North. There are multiple symbols that encode Northern symbolism. One of them is the mountain, Uh, The main one that I like to refer to all the time is the world tree, but the world mountain is a concept like Mount Maru. And there's lots of different types of work of art where, especially in the East where you see this central mountain and it's in like concentric rings or it's within a mandala or something to that effect. 
what they're encoding is that this central mountain exists at the north and that this is symbolically a dwelling place of God. So when I see the eye of providence, when I see a pyramid, that's what I tend to see. And that the eye in the sky is symbolic of the North star. And so that's what I pull out from it personally, you know, and even the Egyptians, if we're going to talk about Egyptology and the pyramid and everything, they had a whole entire ritual called the opening of the mouth ritual where they used tools uh, so that different pharaohs can ascend. And these tools look like the number seven because they're a direct reference to Ursa Major, you know, and if you guys want to see slides about that, I can show you slides about that. And so they're, they had multiple Northern uh, symbols, including the thigh of the bull and including uh, what was called the ads tool, which looks like a number seven. So they would hold this tool against the uh, mouth of a pharaoh and this helped them in their afterlife journey because you go to the north. So if people want to know more about the northern aspect of Egyptology, there's a book called The Isis Thesis by Judy K. King, and she gets into it. So when I see these symbols, that is my bias. And that is kind of what I think about is that all of these things kind of get channeled back um, to this common sort of theme, which involves the North, Northern symbolism, the North Pole, the Pole Star, Ursa Major, Ursa Minor, etc. I was linking that, that book and I'm writing all the books that you've said down. Nice, nice. But yeah, I think it. I think it. There's a lot going on, and that's why I believe all these symbols are similar because all cultures throughout the entire flat Earth, globe Earth, asshole Earth, whatever you want to think, I think they all have a version of their story, and it's just different pieces of the puzzle. Mm. And I think we have all the pieces of the puzzle, except the puzzle's all jumbled up. And we're all trying to, you know, come together and, and make the whole bigger picture. That's why I think it's so similar. That's why it's, you know, familiar in other places, seven Elohims, the seven the celestial planets, the seven, what, you know what I mean? It's over yep. and over and over again. And they've, it's a cosmic game of telephone. It's been interpreted differently every single millennia all the way until today. And here we are, 2022, talking about it on... Illuminati confirmed. Oh. <laughs> I've heard I've heard this all interpreted similarly, but without the North Star emphasized where, mm -hmm. you know, they were talking more about the seasonal impetus for cultures to have a leadership, top-down leadership in a place mm -hmm. where maybe you have a winter because you got to say, hey, okay, we got to get this done by this time because everybody, if we don't have this, you know, someone's going to die, right? So everybody had to listen to whoever was in charge. Otherwise, the community would be jeopardized. Whereas in the cultures of the equator, you got this like more of a circle, right? As opposed to the triangle pyramidal top down, you have more of a circle of, okay, do we all agree that we're going to do it this way? All right, great. Let's do it this way now, you know, because there's less of a, uh, a seasonal sort of pressure each year. Uh, and that's why, you know, this idea of the secret society using this symbol, it's a like an ancient symbol of control uh, and, and maybe even connects back to what they uh you know their origin somehow they're, they're sort of like hearkening their their emblem of of you know who they are where they're from but this north star connection is fascinating, fascinating. well uh the stability and the structure that you just brought up right with uh having control from the top down 
Mm. Obviously, that's one of the first things people are going to notice with the pyramid, right? The the control uh, system, right? What's at the very top? You know, is it fucking Pindar or some demon or whatever, you know? But um, what brings structure and what brings stability is the pole. That's what brings stability and structure is the pole, is the phallus, is the world tree. And so that's what I just did my presentation on, on Sunday. If people want to learn more about it, it's on the Interverse podcast, YouTube channel, but basically we decoded what chaos means, you know? And so chaos, um, you know, is this amalgamation of things. It's a, a primal heap of all the elements and everything that, um, is needed for this reality to exist, but it's in one sort of mash, right? There's no separation, but the pole, the phallus, it's what brings separation. It's what brings stability. It's what brings structure is having a central pole that everything revolves around, you know? And so this gets into a lot of other symbolism related to just like the structure of cities and the structure of culture. Some of like the box saga stuff gets into some of this symbolism is this idea of a sacred center. And so, um, you know, even uh, like cities. So we, we refer to, um, you know, a city area maybe as like metropolis area or whatever. There's Minneapolis. There's lots of different examples of cities that have polis at the end. That's a polar reference. That means pole. That means that there's a city center that everything revolves around, you know. And so um, there's a lot of groups that have this sacred center still intact, like uh, Jerusalem, you know, in Israel or Mecca in Saudi Arabia, you know, when you go to Saudi Arabia, when you go to Mecca and you're doing your pilgrimage, your Hajj, you're revolving around the cube because you're acknowledging that this cube is the center of your world. So when you pray towards Mecca, you're acknowledging that that area in the world is the center of your world. This is where you think heaven connects earth. That's what the pole represents. That's what the axis Muni represents. It's both a separation and a connection between heaven and earth. You know, so that's what I think the compass and the square represents with the seven, with the G that there's seven steps from earth to the heavens, if you will. And so anyways, just thought I'd get that off my chest and uh, thanks for showing my website. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, no, this is really cool, Mario. I could tell you put a lot of thought into this and, you know, it's interesting how these universal symbols connect every culture, you know, like. To me, that's what's so fascinating about understanding the symbols is it makes combing through history uh, a lot easier in some ways because you're able to identify certain themes. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, dude. And so the eye in the eye of Providence, by the way, it's a yoni. It's the vagina, you know, um, and which receives and projects. The eye projects and receives information, you know, we kind of have it twisted that we just generally receive light and we receive, you know, things through our eyes, but all Yoni Vesica Pisces shapes, they both receive and project, you know, so that's what the eye is. So the eye symbolically is a gateway and it's talking about the preeminent gateway that I've already been talking about here, which is the Northern gateway pretty much. So that's how I see it. Um, and so I'm going to get more into all of this information on my channel, just like moving forward. And I want to start making longer content based around this stuff, small documentaries and things like that. Up until now, I've been pretty focused on the signs. I've been focused on making like smaller digestible videos, but I think it's time for me to actually kind of stretch that out a little bit and start making things that really go all in with this stuff. So right on. 
Well, dude, yeah, this yeah. has been a real blast having you on Illuminati Confirmed and getting into Illumina. all this stuff with you. What do you guys think? Is Mario uh, confirmed or what? <laughs> Illuminati Confirmed. Definitely. Right on. <laughs> Can I get a horn? Can I get a horn, yeah, Mario, please? Right on. Uh, no, don't. You don't I'm ever. I'm not sure about that one. Don't ever <laughs> ask the guest for a horn. It never hurts to ask, though, right? Also, uh, shout out to Juan and Mark uh, was thumbing through this today, <laughs> and I'm totally digging it, guys. Thank you. It's it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. You, thank you. Shout out to Slick Dissident in the uh, chat. He also nice. is a, a writer in that book there, and uh, thank you. Yeah, I don't. I think I missed the deadline for October's issue, but uh, I'll be writing another article for the next one, and uh, people could pick that up on. Juan's Ko-Fi store, the Occultist Monday zine series inspired by me, of course. Uh, but we don't need to debate that again. What do you got? Oh, you got more cool stuff to nice. show. Well, right on. All right, cool. Any final thoughts, Chris, before we wrap up here? No, I think that the, I was waiting for the last part the whole time. <laughs> like, I feel like you really wrapped it up there nicely. You know what I'm saying? We took a while to get there. Okay, well, but it was that last bit's dope. Like, I, I'm sorry, I'm like an old guy, like stuff in short, firm, like bursts of information. You know what I mean? Because I don't know, it's the way I, I dude, I, I've been doing logos and shit. Like, I, I trust me, I understand these concepts like backward to forward. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's really interesting to see them applied. You know what I mean? And like when you, mm. um, so sometimes I like it wrapped up. Like if you're like telling me that. If I go to Mount Maru, then it's going to be a ladder to the North Star. Like, that's what I'm trying to go. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. sometimes I don't have the uh, bandwidth to, like, you know what I mean? I need it quick, dude. Yeah. Dude, it takes a ladder before every episode. So I just, uh, <laughs> I just like, bro, like, I'll be honest, dude. Like, you know, after a long time doing the thing, you know what I mean? And like, like, like snowboarding, for example. Man, my old ass is only going up there on powder days, dude. Like, you know what it is. So, Sometimes, like, I need that, you know, full octane, you heard? And that's just mm -hmm. what it is. Right. I hear you, dude. That's why I do quick videos. So you might like my channel if you haven't checked it out. Hi, I mean, videos are, like, you, two minutes long. So I just try and get to the point, you know? But I think you, like, like, it's ill. Like, a lot of designers, dude, like, you're saying, like, man, like, I, I worked in design a long time. You know how many people put fucking pyramids and eyeballs and shit and have no idea about any of this shit? Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Guilty. Like, uh, I've I've been there. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, me too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. as you like pull the string, there's a lot more interesting shit there. It's just well, speaking cool. of pulling the string, everybody who's live right now, pull the string, go over to Mario's channel, subscribe, and uh, check out the quick high octane content that he's going to be putting out. Similar to the way Chris speeds down the slopes, Mario will be speeding into your notifications. Make sure you hit that little bell on his channel and ours while you're at it. Uh, but for now, we're going to slide over to the Patreon. If you haven't signed up for the Patreon yet, uh, do so, and you could hear everything that happens uh, on the scenes, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, uh, wherever the hell Chris is swimming right now. Uh, but thank you guys <laughs> for being here, live chatters, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll be back not next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after that, unless you're on the Patreon, in which case we'll see you Tuesday.